and welcome once again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast, uh, our first review show of the year, 2020. Um, delighted as always to be joined by my partners in crime. Hello, it's Roddy here. Keith. I'm back with us. Kaelin. Who has uh, recovered somewhat. Relatively. Um, relatively. I mean, he only had two weeks off over Christmas, you know, it's not surprising that he, you know, ended up this sick. It's a perfect time to get sick. <laughs> first day back. It is, it's kind of, you know, as soon as... You stop for a second and your body relaxes, your immune system goes, and then everything gets in. This is what it feels like to be normal again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we all had a little bit of that over Christmas as well. Um, yeah, as I said, we're uh, we're jumping into our review show now. This is the first one we've done in a few weeks. We've obviously been getting, we like to think, been getting pretty consistent with our weekly content. Uh, just obviously over Christmas, we all have our own separate families and separate places to be. Um so this one's actually going to be an extra long review show. Uh, it's going to cover three weeks worth of releases uh, beginning on December the 18th. I say three weeks. I mean, the 26th, there wasn't an awful lot out. You know, DC very much front-loaded the 18th with all their releases. Marvel had a lot as well. They only had a couple of titles in the 26th. Uh, there was a couple of indies, but by and large, the 26th was... Although there were some great titles out, it was pretty much a non-event in terms of a normal release week. This side of the word, it's Boxing Day, so... Um, yeah. Not really a lot going on, public holiday. Yeah, well, that's it. And uh, then we will also have the reviews for uh, the titles that hit on Thursday, the 2nd of January, which there were some stellar ones there, uh, I have to say. Uh, but yeah, January in general, the titles tend to slow down a little bit after you know the Christmas rush. And you know, comic companies are not stupid. They do put out more titles in December than any other month of the year, yeah. simply knowing that you know people will be out gift-giving and all that kind of stuff. And this should get us back up to date because 2nd of January was last new comic book day, technically, right? It was right? indeed, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, we've got one coming up in a couple of days, but you know this will bring us back up to date, and then we can get back to our uh, weekly content. And I swear I will get up to date with my reading by then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. You're not doing too badly. You got through your 42 titles that you picked up on the 18th. Fair. You know. 42? Yeah, yeah. We had four different customers in store, including, well, four customers plus myself, who had 40 plus titles on the 18th. I was didn't even know there was 40 released. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was all I think, of the comics. I yeah. think I had 20. Probably so. easier to list the ones you didn't get. Yeah, that yeah. might be shorter, actually. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, December 18th, well, we're, we're just going to jump straight into it. Um, I mean, December 18th was a massive massive week i i don't think i've seen a comic release day like it not even just since we opened the store but in general the amount of AAA titles the amount of titles coming to an end um some launches for some other stuff i mean you know just off the top of my head end of doomsday clock end of last night on earth end of tom king's batman run end of king thor jason iron's long run on thor uh the end of harleen uh you had second issue of joker killer smile you had just title off a Suicide Squad launch with End Tom of Taylor. Invaders as well. End of Invaders, yeah. Chip Zdarsky sort of love letter to the Marvel Universe. Uh, it was, I think, History of the Marvel Universe possibly as well. A yeah, issue. Yep, absolutely. Um, we had the uh, the finish off of uh, the 2099 mini yep. crossover. Um, the 18th saw the launch of five different X titles <laughs> wow. all in the one day. Um, it really was just a, an incredible day for releases. I mean... You know, anybody who listens to this or who's been in the stores probably heard me say it before, but 
the biggest delivery we had taken of comics was around 600 issues and on the 18th it was 997 so that was that was a lot of bagging and boarding so what, what was it like in store on that day what was the vibe like it was great i mean uh, people were starting to wind down for christmas um there was a lot of titles people were genuinely really looking forward to i mean we all know for example doomsday clock's been a long wait yeah. <laughs> <laughs> understatement uh but well, something I find incredible, and it's by no means by design, it was pure luck, is that the same day that Doomsday Clock 12 came out was the same day that the Watchmen TV show had its final episode. You know, that's that's serendipity right there. It is almost like they planned it, but we know better. But we know it's DC, <laughs> yeah, it definitely wasn't planned. Yeah. Well, I mean, on Watchmen, you know, I'm finally catching up. You guys have, you know, had the great foresight to get to it before me uh, and recognize its quality. Um, we're five episodes in, so thoroughly thoroughly enjoying it i would have gone straight back to watch that show again after the end of episode nine yeah it was fantastic uh for me given that it started i guess it aired in 2019 best show of 2019 no doubt no doubt nothing close yeah i tend to agree with you there so mm-hmm. i mean just uh not turn this into a best of 2019 <laughs> podcast coming soon um <laughs> chernobyl probably be mine chernobyl was a fantastic series well I we think. could put chernobyl as best mini series oh maybe if we're you know nice i love i love chernobyl you just yeah. want to create some yeah. subcategories yeah oh yeah them. i'm i'm a subcategory well, chernobyl's a weird one because you say you love it but it's, it's a hard show to love in a way because it's so dark and, yeah you know yeah. it's one of the darkest days in human history definitely and, a hard topic yeah. you know but you almost can't say I love you the, enjoyed it, but you just I, really uh, respect and I love the craft of it, you can say, it, yeah. I would say. Yeah, um, um, both HBO shows. Um, yeah. Both have adjoining podcasts uh, by the same uh, host. Yeah, it's the you know, creator so. of uh, Chernobyl. So. Yeah. So. Not the creator as in the guy who caused it, you know, you understand. <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, we'll, we'll jump to the 18th because we do have a lot to get through, certainly on the 18th with regards to releases. Um we are continuing with our format we've been working with, which is everyone picking out their favorite title of that week. And then we'll have a few, a few honorable <laughs> mentions. Um, this was a really tough week to narrow it down, I got to say. Um, there really was so much quality. I was talking about how a lot of titles came to an end. I don't think any of them, although maybe one or two might disagree at the table, but I don't think any of them disappointed, like any of them ended badly. Um you know, there were certainly different degrees of how well they ended, but I think by and large, most of them were at least satisfying and above. Uh, speaking of a title coming to an end, I believe we're going to kick off with Keelan with his choice of the week. Keelan's um, back. And I mean, <laughs> I knew this was probably going to be his pick because he even bought two covers for it. They both had big shiny S's on it. They did. And they even have S's on the back, so what else was I supposed to do? That Then you should buy four. So that you can display them with the two fronts Don't, and the two I backs. do not need that <laughs> because that'll happen. Yeah. Uh, Doomsday Clock number 12 of 12 is finally out and read. It is real, people. It's, it's, it's physically here. And it's great. I thought it was great. Some people have had varying opinions on the quality of how it finished, but I loved it. Number 12 of 12 issues. Took 12 years to come out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Two years and one month, you know. <laughs> Alan's gone through three stores since then <laughs> <laughs> but I do love yeah. that it says February 2020 on the for release yes. they still couldn't quite nail it well I'm glad they didn't make us wait to February 2020 but um, in very much in my opinion it 
the quality of the story, the quality of the art, it held up. And not to excuse the massive delay because the delay was it's it was a stupid delay. Um, it should it should have been a lot more consistent on it. Uh, I think Alan, we were talking about three jokers seems to be the way to do it. Yeah, Stabler. I mean, get it done and then release it. If nothing else, it's I think it's set a it's almost set a template of how not to release a comic book as as counterintuitive as that might sound. I think now that with these sort of prestige titles, and it is a real shame that it was Doomsday Clock that it happened with, given, you know... The fact that every issue people are like, oh, no, you know what, the weight doesn't annoy me anymore. It's great, I loved it. Yeah. But, I mean, with three jokers, certainly, Jason Faber keeps showing art on Twitter, and he said, look, until we're 80% done and in the bag, we're not doing a release date. Uh, yeah. Tom Keenan Clayman said the same thing with doing Batcat. It's like, look, want to get four or five issues in the bag, and then we'll release it. Well, the Kirkman Method. Yeah, I actually... I would know. just call it the comic method. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I've experienced this firsthand of making my own comics, actually. Um, so with a couple of my Kickstarters, the the first one, Fractured Mind, Rollins and I mostly had it done before it went to the Kickstarter, whereas with other projects, we had, say, you know, 50% to, you know, 60% done, so it took a lot of time to figure it out at the end and then we got some obviously some delays towards the end of the soul of the sea which has caused a bit of hassle but i definitely definitely understand the feeling of you get it done and you wait but then there's the 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 excitement it's yeah, like you, you just want to get it out get there it out you know there. but i think any project here on in needs to be most of it is done it'll yeah. come out when it comes out yeah i think the delay in this was uh, critical. I think this was, I think, I mean, we've talked about it before, but Doomsday Clock was, I think, supposed to be the book that uh, defined uh, everything in DC from Rebirth. I think it was meant to set out yeah. a new timeline for uh, them to say, uh, okay, yeah. this story was canon, that story was canon, we'll pick this one, yeah. we didn't do that. I think there because was an awful lot. With yeah. the New Fifty Two and Rebirth, you weren't sure where lay. Like, Barbara Gordon kill, killing joke happened, but it didn't happen, and she was back early again. Uh, I think Alfred's it was alive in this. That. Yeah, um, he lost a hand, but then he got it back. The yeah, I mean, it absolutely makes it. It it was obviously so. Obviously, Bendis launched the League of um, Legion of Superheroes. Everything, everything, everything that's in here contradicts what Bendis has already written. Uh, if it had been come out at the right time, it might not have. Um, I think that the end of the story has been changed to take account of the lateness of the book. Uh, I think maybe there were some tweaks made, but I think the general overall story maybe stayed. Um, but the, it was the... I mean, I, I enjoyed the whole thing about the, the metaverse and the previous issues, yeah. you know, and the fact that Superman's the center of the ring, crux of the which is obviously what's getting you a yeah. bit, isn't it? Um, also, and that the fact makes... I got excited over two pages with ten blank panels on it. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's, like a... that's That's yeah, how badly hooked yeah. I am with this issue. Do, do you know the first time <laughs> I saw the, the black panels happen, right, so further on in the issue? So I remember Gary Frank saying the last issue is going to be 47 pages. It's going to be a monster. That's why we're taking extra time. This is the sequel to Watchmen, etc. Because haven't written it yet. See, when I was reading this for the first time and I got to that page where one, the left-hand page is a 
a splash page which is completely black and then the right hand is my beloved nine panel structure uh all in black my first thought was this better not be included in the 47 pages <laughs> and it wasn't uh, yeah. it actually wasn't um but it's, it's unfortunate when you read stuff like that you have it in your mind you know because that's that's playing on your expectations you know the delay has caused you to think that you know mm, and i mean it's the end of it i'm sorry to say it was nonsense it was absolute rubbish um no made no sense whatsoever <laughs> uh clark's parents are alive yes it's dr manhattan went back undid what he did with removing uh-huh. the jla right which who existed in the past which inspired jonathan as a child yeah yeah jonathan no, then I'm, with uses. I'm with you i'm with you yeah uh inspires clark to actually put on the suits which gives him the confidence to actually save his parent be there to save his parents right instead of hiding so which now time has refolded so and the cancer back uh they don't seem to have appeared in superman yeah i know which is why this is a mess i don't think it's necessarily yeah. a mess i mean unless it's taking place in some sort of pocket universe the main in which case it doesn't matter i think this is where we need a history of the dc universe that's the main question i would ask because someone actually in the store said to me when does doomsday clock take place and yeah. i genuinely couldn't give an answer because there's a point where i think batman is wearing a different costume then he's wearing his updated costume superman and the first issue has his superman reborn his belt and the buckle instead of the uh, red trunks so it's, it's quite so issue one clearly takes place before action comics 1000 two till 12 take place after i think they do need to release a timeline and earth 2 is now uh oh no earth 52 is out there yeah new 52 is back yeah, i don't think that's an earth they're ever going to visit <laughs> I like. New, I like. New if 52. it brought back the Court of Owls, I'd be happy enough with um, uh, visiting that Earth. I like New Fifty Two for the sole reason it is what let me give me a foot and get them. Yeah, comics. yeah, I get you. I get you. I just, um, I don't know. I by the time I don't know, maybe it is, uh, it is that delay that has completely soured me to the whole thing. I, I mean, it looks lovely. It absolutely looks lovely. I mean, um, what I would say is, I wouldn't even link it to the DC universe in a way. I would call this the Watchmen universe, and I would say it takes place in the Watchmen universe rather than the Watchmen taking place in the DC universe. I if that makes sense, because I don't, I don't care about this book affecting other DC books. Yeah, I don't care about that because, as you say, the delay harmed that. You you like to think there was some sort of plan in place of what they were going to kick on to, but I don't look at this as better or worse just because I can't link it to the main DC books. I just look at it as it's its own thing. I really do. Um, it was, because I it, think otherwise yeah. you're just going to yeah. you know, tie yourself in knots. It was supposed to be groundbreaking. It was supposed to be universe changing. It was just late. Uh, it's not. It's not that. Um, it's. Uh, I think for what it is, it's a phenomenal piece of art. It's a lovely looking Storytelling oh, yeah. as well. Um, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank done incredible. But I think if you're... Because it's supposed to set up something else within the DC yeah, universe. Every, re- they, every reboot so for the next hundred like, years, they, apparently. <clears throat> did they ever say that, though? Did they ever say, like, this is the book that's going to change everything? Because abs- I'm not sure... It that absolutely did. was supposed to be. It, it absolutely was, was supposed to be. I don't remember anything being marketed. Yeah. I just remember it being marketed as the sequel to Watchmen and Watchmen characters um, being in the DC universe. And I think... I don't know. I think considering uh, back in the day, they said they would never have the Watchmen characters, they would never have Dr. Manhattan meet up with Batman and that sort of thing. For them to go back on their word, you know, whenever they've already screwed over Alan Moore so badly, and I'm not an Alan Moore apologist by any means, 
but you know to to come out with that as i mean it, it really it really felt by the time we were finished like just an excuse to put the watchman characters in the dc universe that's what it felt like and i would say after this it would probably do them well not to touch the watchman characters again for quite some time yeah you don't think they're Batman and uh, Doctor Manhattan are going to cross paths in yeah, uh, no, the next run. You know the whole pointlessness well, of, of you, you uh, Batman the, and Rorschach crossing paths was just pointless. See, you say that it doesn't, you know, make any sense, or you know, it meant to set stuff up. It has set stuff up. There you go. You're set up for 2026. Wonder Woman has trousers. S- Superman goes on a quest to find Bruce Wayne's lost daughter so she can save Bruce's son. I like on that July 10th, 2030, the secret crisis begins, throwing Superman into a brawl across the universe with Thor himself. See, and the Green Behemoth. <laughs> the Who green could behemoth? that be? No, quite. Uh-huh. No, the most important thing to come out of Doomsday Clock is Wonder Woman is trousers again. That, that's, that, that splash page with all the images. This, I spent so much time looking at it, just seeing what was different. With Legion, you put the lanterns back, Jessica Cruz is back, which makes me really happy because I love her as a lantern, green lantern. Uh, there You've is got four flashes running side by side. Yeah, there's Barry Jay Garrick's back. Uh, Wally West seems to be back. I'm not sure if that's a coloring error, but he has yellow boots again. Mm-hmm. So you got to be happy. But there does seem to be another kid flash in the corner as well. So is that impulse from the end of Flash 50 or? But yeah, yeah. I uh, I finished this. And I was really happy to the point where I read it inverted commas on my break in work. Um, <laughs> I very much came back smiling. Probably shouldn't have said inverted commas, but my boss isn't going to listen to this. That's what you think? We're going to send them a copy? Yeah. <laughs> All <laughs> bosses We're just going to call it podcast, Caelan's Confession. Yeah. Please do. My review is on Wednesday. <laughs> uh, no, I finished. Just Maybe it is because it was so Superman heavy. and but I, I did personally. I finished it. I had a smile on my face. I'm pretty sure I messaged you straight away, Alan, saying, yeah, yeah that was great. Um, one of the biggest points is Man, Pat Kenterback. I want to see how this impacts Bendis' Superman. It wasn't so much. Well, hang on, they're not in Bendis' Superman. I want to see where he folds them in. I would imagine Bendis will go, "You bastard," <laughs> and ignore it. He's going to John Kenton. <laughs> He's going to send them to visit the grandson for sixty-seven um, issues. Who are the blonde couple at the end with the daughter? I remember this, but I can't remember. <laughs> I looked it up. Um, they're important to the Watchmen characters, but I cannot remember off the top of my head. I, I did check. It's Hollis up, Mason. You can see Hollis on the uh, Hollis on the post box at the front. So Hollis Mason, Hollis Mason was the original Night Owl, so that's why he's got the little owl clock there as I'm well. I'm really glad Alan's here right now. So <laughs> it it's basically gave Hollis Mason a happy ending by the look of it. And a creepy stepchild with the uh, hydrogen symbol on his forehead. Uh, a, a kid called Clark, who was the son of Marionette, Marionette and, and the mime, the mime, mime. Yeah. Uh, who is imbued with Dr. Manhattan's power. Yeah, Manhattan uses the last of his power to save his Earth, restore it, and then passes it on to well, Technically, Clark. that's a mistake because it, it shouldn't say Hollis on the post box. It should say Mason. Yeah. Maybe they needed. They just wanted to make that a bit more obvious. But For people say, like me. It should say Hollis. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Um, not convinced. 
I really much enjoyed it. I took it home over the Christmas break and read issue one right through to issue 12 in one sitting, completely ignoring my family, which is what you do at Christmas. <laughs> but And I loved it. It's definitely something that's going to read really well in one long go. I think the delays did hurt the flow of the story quite mm-hmm. badly, but... I'm looking forward to that. I would definitely it's give it definitely uh, a read. A, go back to go back around and read it. You know, I mean, so I will too, definitely. Without, without but, a two-year um, delay between 1 and 12. I'd be I think, in, sorry, go ahead, Ryan. No, no, I was going to say, I would be interested to see how the trade does whenever whenever it uh, makes an I'm appearance. I'm probably going to buy it. Well, that's <laughs> that's one thing I would say. I, I'm not a fan at all about how they're releasing it because I don't like it they released split. part one oh, when 10 issues were out. Then they're oh. no doubt going to have to release part two next. Yeah. Then they're going to do a collected one. When it hits absolute, I'll buy it. But How many S's will be on that? I just think that... I think it's a great piece of work. I don't think it'll be anywhere near as revered as much as Watchmen, but I don't think many things can be. Yeah, no, I don't um, think it's getting anywhere near that level. No, and as I, much as I love it, it's not, it's not getting on Watchmen. And the thing that I think sort of diminishes its power a little bit other than sort of the delays is because in the same year that it finished is the same year... I hate myself for saying this. It's the same year the House and Powers came out and showed you how to do a twelve issue series and yeah. well, make massive changes and keep a consistent. And also release story. it in one book. You know, and release it weekly it. and that really hurt Doomsday Clock, I think, in a lot of people's eyes. Mm. Yeah, and same uh, same for me with um the T V show. The T V show just yeah. overshadowed it completely, it's, unfortunately, for me in my eyes. It's a very it's a very, very different story. Um and I think you know, if you were to turn around to me and say, well, of the two, what's the sequel yeah. to Watchmen? It's definitely the TV show. Well, it's, this is the it's thing. It's much more in the, sorry, Alan, it's much more in the feel of Watchmen. You know, it's got that, that Watchmen vibe. It, it, uh, it, it continues in the same universe, whereas this is a different universe, characters from that universe crossing over. It just it feels more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, the only thing I was going to say is that, you know, you look at Watchmen, the TV show of 2019, it's in probably 95% of the people's top three TV shows of the year. Mm-hmm. I doubt this is in 95% of people's top three comic series of the year. So I think in that way, it's probably more revered. Again, I agree with Kiln on a lot of points of it, and I'm genuinely looking forward to a reread. Um, I think we all are. But, you know. Definitely worth a reread, even if you aren't sure, give it a reread. It uh, might change your mind, it might not. But. Maybe. But, I mean, I think there's definitely, I think we said it before, I think there's a lesson. There's a lesson to be learned with, oh, yeah, but they, you know, with regard to let, if you're going to can't let the release schedule happen. That happen. Yeah, that can't not happen not again. if it's an event. Not if it's an event, and not if it's going to impact. Not one other that's things. been hyped yeah. as a cru- yeah. crucial point yeah, exactly. in DC history. Well, that's the thing. A few years down the line, you're probably going to have people who are new to comics who will be able to just pick up the trade. And I'll be curious to see what their opinions would be because mm-hmm. they didn't have to deal with the weight and mm. all that sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely. I think for years it's going to become a bit of a cautionary tale of how not to release an event. Potentially, yeah. yeah. You know? yeah. What not to do when running a comic company. Yeah, and I mean, there's, there is something also be said to be said of an understanding of the source material. Um, I mean, I think uh, listening to those those podcasts of with Damon Lindelof, the yeah. TV series, he knows he knows that source material. He knows, oh, he knows about night. themes. He knows about you know, raising threats and about characters and about driving characters and um and I don't think that is necessarily there with with, with what Johns has done. I'd say well maybe it doesn't show up. I'm sure Jeff Johns and Gary Frank know it in and out, but I I think maybe it hasn't married quite 
right with the DC universe. That's maybe maybe that's the, it. Maybe that's it. That's maybe yeah. where the yeah. fault is for me. Oh, fair. I mean, good show, Kill. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. There's plenty of asses on it, so well, it's, it's it's a great book, but it was just it sort <laughs> of fell. Poorly executed. I think it just fell race. under the weight of its yeah. own expectations. You know. Um, so, but yeah, it'll it'll definitely be worth a reread. I think for everybody at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was Doomsday Clock number 12. So that was Kaelin's pick for uh, the December 18th releases. Um, so we're going to move on to my own next, which is another event book. Um, now, Doomsday Clock was written by one guy and drawn by another. This one is written and drawn by the same guy. It came out monthly. It came out on time. It's an oversized book. And it is truly, in my eyes anyway, wonderful. Uh, this is Harleen. Uh, so book three came out December 18th. This was a three-issue miniseries um, released through DC Black Label, uh, released in the funny size, as Keith calls it, or stupid size, if he prefers. <laughs> um, but for me, this is the first book that 100% justifies the bigger size. Um, Galen did say a little bit just before we chatted, you know, it would have worked just as well in the smaller, um, the smaller format. I've no doubt that's true. But um, I, I, will, I am happy to read it on the larger format because the art is so beautiful. I mean, the art is just absolutely wonderful the whole way through this book. The the panel layouts, the colors, the size of it. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, so Harleen was essentially a sort of a mature look at a uh, origin story for Harley Quinn. Um, so this, this is not the Harley Quinn who's wacky, over the top, focusing on comedy and, you know, concerned with fourth wall breaking you know for me harley quinn has very much become and this is probably why keith doesn't like this character either harley quinn's very much become the deadpool of the dc universe overused fourth wall breaking you know existing as comedy so to speak you're not wrong um and that's why i was attracted to this title because this was going to offer a fresh look at it and it was going to be a grown-up mature version of it you know th- this is this book is a tragedy that's the thing about it it's the downfall of a character who's desperately trying their best to make a difference in the world and to make real change in the world um so with issue three this is this is the final breakdown of of this character you know and it's and it's heartbreaking to to read in places because i've said this before this harleen to me is like the breaking uh, is is to breaking bad what better call saul is you know the ultimate outcome for this character you know, no matter how good she tries to be or how many people she tries to help, you know where it's going, regardless of. And it's tragic to watch that, uh, or to watch it unfold, I should say. Um, but along with Superman Up in the Sky, this was my favorite DC title of 2019. And I can't believe I don't have a bat title in my top <laughs> top titles of... I'm really surprised you don't. Yeah, I mean, well, you could argue Batman appears in this. But no, that... I think some of it is to do with expectations. You know, Harleen, Harley Quinn, I'm with Keith. Like, Harley Quinn is not a character I care about in 99% of the titles she's in. You know, when I was getting ready to read Suicide Squad number one, although I have full faith in Tom Taylor, I thought, please don't let this be the Harley Quinn show. And one of the reasons that was a great issue is because she's in about three pages. You know, focuses on other characters. Um, but with Harleen, I just can't say enough good words about it. Um, you know, she's a complex character. You see the downfall of her page by page. But, you know, the thing about it is, even as she's having her downfall, like, you can see it happening, but she tries to justify it in a way of trying to help people. Like, there's a part in it where she finally gives in to these carnal urges and sleeps with the Joker. 
but it's not like this is the moment that she becomes Harley Quinn. In her mind, she justifies it as, I'm showing him that he need, that he is needed and that someone wants him and that will help him open up to her and she can help cure him. You know, she's she's trying to justify it in all these ways, but it only ultimately, you know, seals her fate, so to speak. Um, but as well as Harleen being really well written in it, the Joker is a cracking character in this. You know, he's written as this attractive, mysterious, alluring, you know, quite vulnerable guy. You know, he talks to her and opens up quite a bit. But, you know, is this all just an act? Is he manipulating her? Is this the real Joker in this story? Or is this just him being, you know, the Joker and, you know, doing what he can to um, to get Harley on, or Harleen, I should say, on his side? Because as well as being, like, vulnerable and attractive and stuff, there's a part in this where he just bashes someone's head in and to the point where it's a bloody pulp and there's blood splattering all over him and he's laughing. Yeah, he's still the Joker. You know, exactly. He's still psychotic. He's still violent. You know, the crazy's still there. Um, but... You know, Stefan Sajic, it's someone whose work I wasn't massively familiar with before. There's a indie series he does called Sunstone. I don't know if anyone's familiar with it. No. Um, if there's anybody in the store who's familiar with it, it's probably going to be Andy. I'll leave you to uh, get your own conclusions from that. Um, but what's also great about this issue three, as well as it being a, a Harleen and a Joker story, it's a Two-Face story. And Two-Face is really well written in it. I, th I don't think Two-Face has been as threatening. Could you say there are two sides to this story? No, because it would be three sides, because it would be Two-Face, Harley and Joker. Nice try. Harley and Joker are on the one side. <laughs> um, yeah, not not two sides, three sides. <laughs> but, you know. Uh, but, yeah, no, Harvey in this, you know, he hallucinates things. He, you know, receives phone calls that don't really happen, that kind of thing. He's, he's just a ball of pure rage and anger in this story, and it actually makes him really, really intimidating in a way that I haven't seen, certainly in a comic, in a long time. Um, I mean, to sort of wrap it up without going into too many spoilers, you know, the art is just ridiculously beautiful. Um, it really elevates the art form, I think. You know, it's equal parts horror-based, action-filled, quite seductive in places. Um you know, the, the emotions on the characters' faces are just brilliantly portrayed. Even the layouts are used in interesting ways. You know, always inventive, always quite visually interesting. There's a part where, I think towards the end of the book, where Harleen actually shoots someone. Is that the double-paged the double -paged magazine size double spread? It is Well, that's it. As, as she shoots someone, there's like this glass shattering effect as if her whole world is now falling apart. It's just art used in a really interesting uh, interesting way. Um, I mean, I could talk about this all night, as you could probably tell, uh, but I'll just wrap it up and just say, for me, Sejic has actually created the impossible here because he's made me care about a character that I could not have given two hoots about before. Um, I had z I have zero interest in a Harley Quinn title until this came along. And for me, it's also a perfect demonstration of Black Label because this is stuff that happens outside the main continuity. They're adult stories, mature themes, and just stories well told. So... Yeah, this is what Black Label should be. You yep. give you give a creator a character or creators, um, as we'll get to later, but you give them a theme, you give them a story, and it's just off to the side, and yep. they they do they do their own take on it, and that's that's what makes this so good. Yeah, it's just one man's vision of Harleen. What's well, it? I mean, for a long, long time, when it comes to Harley Quinn, everyone, you know. If, if everyone looks for a recommendation of where to start with Harley Quinn, there's Mad Love, which was the sort of spin out from the Batman animated series. 
But outside of that, can anyone even name a Harley Quinn story? You know what I mean? It's, it's just, she seems to be a character that exists in all these one-shots and wacky situations and this kind of thing. I think um, people refer... I have uh, not a character I'm really familiar with, but there is there a Jimmy Palmiotti Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor. kind of talked about? They did yeah. a run for a long, long time. So they did. I um, think that might be the most revered run, but yeah. I'm not too sure. They did the f- all of the Rebirth stuff. Um, and I think they did some of the new 52 stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, once the trade hits of this, I mean, for me, this will, you know, where I talk about, like, for if someone says, give me a Superman place to start up in the sky, give mm-hmm. me a, you know, Spider-Man place to start, Spider-Man blue, give me Batman where to start, Court of Isles. If someone says, give me a Harley Quinn story to start with, this will be it. Um, you know, this this will go right to the top of the recommendations for that. So that's that's an awesome thing for Black Label, finally. <laughs> it, it was something that worried me because when Black Label first announced, it was very Joker Harley heavy mm-hmm. and everything Harley based on the art. But it was, I think it's, it's the only one I've stuck with. Yeah. How, do, how does it compare to the other, the Joker Harley title? So there's the Joker Sanity. Harley Criminal Sanity. It. It's a very different take again. I mean, it's it has Harley in it as a criminal psychologist and serial killer profiler. And the crux of it is that years ago, she had a roommate who was brutally murdered. She came home to discover the body and they never caught who did it. And she always assumed it was this character who exists in Gotham called the Joker. Um, it was a weird one because the first issue I wasn't overly taken with. I thought the second issue was good. But it's a weird one as well on Black Label because Black Label tiles have not been three, maybe four issues max. It's going to be nine. So it's a bit of a bit more of an elongated story, I suppose. But, you know, if you're if you're ranking Black Label tiles for me, this is at the very top. Um, I would probably put Last Night on Earth just below it. Um, I'd probably go Superman Year One just below that. And I'd probably put Batman Damned at the bottom. So well, so you're not reading The Last God? Um, well, I mean... I, I, Based on issue one, I'm I'm gonna trade the last god, but it's it's I mean it to me that I mean it's interesting because we're talking about black label titles being left of center in the DC universe. Um, so it's not even close but to it. This isn't even close to it. <laughs> Which completely I love. different world, completely different set of characters. Uh, art is right up there. It's fantastic. Um, it's definitely I think a wee bit experimental. Maybe they've put it under black label yeah. because it is that. Yeah. You know, it's a it's, fantasy what world. Issue is it, is issue three, three came out on the eighteenth. I picked up issue one and won't be picking up until the first trade. I still think about stuff that happened in issue one. That's how much it stuck with me. It's very, very good. It's very strong. Yeah. Are you not, you're not picking it up at all, are you? Alan? I've got the first two issues upstairs, but I haven't really delved into it. Do, um, do. I mean, I suppose when I say DC Black Little Tiles, I'm just considering the oversized ones or the ones that have finished. Um, Last God gives me dive vibes. In terms of how they're going to build the yeah, world, yeah, yeah, there's definitely they've, they've I mean, built the world. It's world building of a of a classic or a high fantasy world. Um, it's even it's, it's more than that. It's more than a high fantasy because it's very dark. So we bit in the gothic side as well, you know. So you're are you Roddy? Are you? No, no, you just you perked my interest. I think, I think you would really enjoy it. I think sales of Last God have went up in the store about three hundred percent. Keep talking to people about it. You should definitely get on this title. Straight yeah. away, messages, Martin's like, oh, can you give me Last God, please? Keith, we'll need to get you in the Promote the Soul of the Sea. Well, I mean, my it's pleasure. not like you promoted. So. <laughs> He's my manager. 
I expect I so. Don't promote my own work. So you know? little announcement yeah. here: Roddy will be running the store in January twenty fifth on the Saturday, as Vicky and I are away. Yeah. I've set him a target of five issues of Solar Sea have to be sold. Well, minimum. A purchase is mandatory with any other purchase, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> but he'll just be giving it out for free with any purchase. Like, look, Alan, I sold them all. Um, yeah. Anyway, that that's uh, my pick for December eighteenth. That was Harleen. Book three, which was the third and sadly final um, in that series, because I would have happily let it continue. I want a sequel. I don't necessarily even just want a sequel. I just want to put Stepan Sejic on something else. Just let him write and draw something else. It I'd doesn't like even have to be Harley. I'd like to see him do... Like an Ivy story or a Catwoman story. I think he does very Ivy's well maybe a bit Fatales. too close to mm. Harley, Batman universe, but... He's, in my eyes, he's done... Sean Gordon Murphy, and now he has he should be given free reign to do whatever he wants. I think just give him obviously, maybe you can't give him Batman, but you know, give him give him whatever he wants to do and do it in this format. Obviously, if the sales have been awesome yeah. at that, let him do a Superman story, please. <laughs> <laughs> but Bendis is doing such wonderful work, on yeah. Superman. But can we get a good black label Superman story? We've already had one of those, um, anyway. <laughs> So from you, okay to be wrong. <laughs> from one black label title to another. Yes. Uh, this one is not at its end. This is in book two of three. And you sure it's me who's out of place here, Doc? This one is Joker, Killer Smile, book two. Jeff Lemire, Andrea Sorrentino, Jordi Belair on colors. And Steve Wands on letters. I love this book. This is the Gideon Falls team they've been given they've been given the keys to the black label kingdom go do whatever you want and this one so in issue number one we're introduced to ben who's a psychiatrist and he is tasked with um curing the joker basically and is he tasked with or does he he wants to he volunteers for the job he's got this arrogance he has tasked himself He, he thinks he's the best psychologist in the business he's taken on this challenge of i want to cure the joker which obviously, as you can imagine, can imagine it does not go well. <laughs> um, so <laughs> um, I, I adored this book. I thought the first one, we talked about the Black Label larger format. And if I thought, do you know what was weird? Andrea Sorrentino, if anybody has ever read Gideon Falls, his, his um, page layouts, well, whether it's Jeff Lemire tells him to do this or it's Sorrentino's own creation, the page layouts and the creativity of these the panel structures and sometimes they're not panels they're just badness on a page you know <laughs> um what they do with Gideon Falls they've created one of a stunning horror comic and it's the same here but I thought the first one was very low-key and it didn't yeah. have I was like well does that really suit the black label kind of talking heads yeah um which which is great because i love the close-ups on the joker's teeth and um there's a character called mr smiles who appears in a children's book at the end which gave me like the heebie-jeebies i don't think i've ever had chills reading a comic but i love that i love that feeling of it it was so claustrophobic clearly you haven't read your own latest issue Oh, wow. That's a great compliment. Thank you. <laughs> I'll take that. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, so this one starts off. Ben has basically, he's lost control. He's got a, he's having a nightmare. And basically, he's introduced to Joker. 
And I love this line. There's a line where he says, you shouldn't be here to the Joker. And then the Joker says, you sure it's me? He's out of place here, Doc. And it's just a great line. And then... Of like a brain with a Rubik's Cube effect. With a, yeah. Yeah, it's... it's you can brutal. tell they, they got to let loose in this issue a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but yes, then, Ben... <laughs> I love basically Mr. Smiles. The Joker has um, somehow managed to infiltrate his house and get into his mind. In the first one, uh, Ben has a son and a wife. And in the first issue, Ben uh, or the son asks Ben, uh, can you read me a story? And it's a story about Mr. Smiles, um, who's a kitty version of the Joker. And he's like, where did you get this book? That's weird. And then in this one, there's a Mr. Smiles interactive tale game on a phone. <laughs> I really, really want this, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, I love, love the Mr. Smiles character. It's like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what, how you describe it, but this has turned, they sort of turned it into, I love this. There's so many interpretations of like, even in Harleen, the Joker is different. Yeah. And in this one, he's like sort of something out of a horror. I guess he's always something out of a horror movie, but this one you know he's he's a he's got some sort of maybe different powers um but he's also a really interesting human being there's two sides to two sides to the joker and throughout the book you're not really sure who's on what side like maybe ben is the yeah, one that who's psychoanalyzing who yeah i love the feeling of it the the interplay and the dialogue between ben and the joker is absolutely fantastic and the way um they're so, they do it really well in the book. There's loads of extreme sort of close-ups to use like a movie term. Um, but then they also combine that with the kind of crazy Sorrentino messed up imagery. Really, really adored the book. And I love, they do have sort of secondary villain characters in it too. There's, I think, Killer Croc. And then in the dream, you see loads of different characters as well. But yeah, there's um, a rather interesting twist in this one, which I won't ruin for anyone that needs to read it. But yeah, just a gorgeous, gorgeous book. And this one, I don't know if it's one of those ones where you go, okay, this is a this is a quintessential Joker story, but it's a really, really, really interesting take. I may, maybe wouldn't go, oh, you haven't read any Joker stories? Here you go. But it's definitely one to explore a new side to the character. And I really, really, really dug it. Well, it's and interesting to have we... a Joker story where, like, a, a lot of people in the last few months come into the store and said to me, like, oh, have you any Joker stories? And there aren't a lot that don't involve Batman. And this doesn't oh, really yeah. involve yeah, Batman. Actually, you yeah. know, it's, I'll always say to people, like, I, I can recommend Death in the Family, Death of the Family, Endgame, Killing Joke, you know, all these different Because there ones. is the eternal dance between them. Exactly. But this is, yeah. This is a Joker story. And that's what's really interesting. Actually, never thought about that. Um, I mean, the first issue of Killer Smile, I didn't massively adore. I, I was with you. I thought, why well, is this a bigger format? This is quite a small, claustrophobic book. It yeah. reminded me of something like Silence of the Lambs. Um, but this second book, you know, not that I should admit this uh, while it's recording, but I actually woke up from a nightmare the night I read this. And I was questioning my own sanity for like a couple of seconds in bed when I woke up and I was looking at the door that was slightly ajar and thought I was being watched. Like, this issue really, really got inside my head. Gave yourself a wee scare? 
It really did. You know, give me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> can't believe no, I used that. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't remember a book like that for a long time. That you know, actually, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, invaded my subconscious, and then actually, I woke up from it thinking about. It. And the twist was like, holy sh! It's you know, it's what really happened? interesting, and that's. I think that's why I had the nightmare was the twist. Oh, um, yeah. But I loved how it, it turns turned its on its head its head and Ben Ben was like you you liked him in the first one but then the second one you kind of you felt sympathy for him but you also really cared for him and then his his passion for the Joker and for his job like passion really come across obsession. passion oh they're both <laughs> yeah um I think this is a title that's definitely grown and. Again, I think it'll read great and trade. Um, just going to be three issues, so curious to see how it but finishes. They are, they're not as long as Harleen, but it's still quite thick. A lot of dialogue to it as well, you know, because yeah. there is a there is a real sort of tête-à-tête sort of setup to it where they're both sort of challenging each other. Um, and as Roddy says, like this is very much a dream team. These guys always work together now. I think they bring the best out of each other. So, uh, yeah, cool. So that mm-hmm. is Joker Killer Smile book two. Uh, which brings us then to Keith. And uh, we are, of course, going to complete a DC clean sweep, are we? We are not. <laughs> uh, this one's from Image, and I think the best way to introduce it is to introduce it the way it introduces itself. And uh, if you listen to one of our previous book clubs, you'll know exactly where we're going. <laughs> this is a fairy tale of blood and bullets. It is a story of two women and three men who cannot die, mostly. Their names are Andy, Nicky, Joe, Booker and Niall. Niall joined them, Booker left them. This is what happens next. The old guard, force multiplied. So the uh, first of, uh, what is it? Is it a six issue, five, five issues? Think, yeah, same as the first um, series, five issues. It is uh, the second uh, series of what is, as it turns out, going to be a trilogy yep. uh, from uh, from Greg Rucka. Um Leandro Fernandez on uh, on art and covers, and <laughs> it's just great that uh, as as Alan rightly said uh, previously that the first issue of the second series of Old Guard holds up to the first series. Yeah, um, it's absolutely fantastic. Just stays exactly on target. Um, we 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 pick up. I mean, it, it it seems to be following the same format, you know, of the the modern day story, uh, picking up where we more or less where we left off or a little time after we left off, but in the same situation where uh, uh, there are forces that are now aware of uh, our hero's immortality um, as they continue to try and exist in the world. They've been joined by um, a modern war veteran, uh, Niles, and uh, Booker, who betrayed the old guard uh, at the end of the last series, Um he still he remains. He he was told at the end by by Andy that they would meet again in a hundred years time. But we're also following uh, Booker's story. Um, I don't want to to spoil too. And and you know that's set against then the the flashbacks that became familiar in the last series uh, from all the characters. And most critically, we see uh, we see uh, Andromache, Andy. Uh, six thousand. You've been practicing that pronunciation. I have, have indeed. <laughs> six thousand seven hundred years ago, give or take, and we know that that's that's her age. So we we see her, I guess, around the time of her first death, and it's interesting because uh, Greg Rucka was talking about um, the Scythian people, you know, and and looking at um, trying to find 
uh, source material about that time. Um, it's interesting because he says uh, that you know this this particular time was sort of um, during the Copper Age, uh, and it wasn't until he was in the I think he said in the British Museum that he realised why he was having so much trouble finding any sort of source material for this time this this time period. It's because the Copper Age preceded the Bronze Age, and what is bronze made of in part? Copper. So they melted down the Bronze Age, the Copper Age, to make the Bronze Age. So <laughs> there's very little actual information or actual, uh, it, was, it was, you know, pre-writing and all of those sorts of things. So he realized that there's no information on, the, on this particular age, you know. Uh, so it's really interesting stuff. So um, just, the, you know, uh, Leandro Fernandez continues to do a fantastic job on, on what Greg Rucka sets in front of him and, and uh daniela and me was the amazing colors, colors. Humble. again yeah. those those bold pastel shades um which shouldn't work but do um given uh, in many parts the violence that they're set against um yeah, yeah you, you gotta love that sort of snowy landscape double page battle scene and then a couple of pages later you're in sort of the soft sort of sunset of California. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't think there's many books that can make that uh, kind of juxtaposition without it being too jarring. And it's it's you you see the the way that uh the two women's um relationship has developed. Uh you know, the the they're they're two soldiers separated by seven thousand years, but you know they still have <laughs> they still manage to to develop this really fantastic relationship and that's uh, kind of we what we explored in the book club that's what the cover is all about yeah the cover indicates what you're what you're seeing what you're seeing in the book this is all about their relationship it really is uh and uh, <laughs> some of the the dialogue is uh is just perfect um yeah really really good stuff really you know uh, it's a weird thing to say it's almost like it didn't skip a beat from you know the first yeah end of the first it. arc to that's the start it. of this yeah. one i mean if if you were new to this story you could have picked this up having just read the old garden just thought it's a continuation um great stuff all around introduces a new badass character who's trying to track them down um, yeah and it's i mean that's the that's the what were the last three or four pages or uh, five or six pages were were introduced to booker um, living in Marseille, his in the homeland of his old homeland of France, and uh, he's being followed. Um, he's being hunted. He's being tracked. Um, and uh, uh, just, uh, just the whole story just is is fantastic. Um, there's a lovely essay in the back um, by Greg Rucka. Um, if you haven't read, it, I know you had said maybe you haven't. I read haven't it. read it yet. Um, no. You know, so yeah, he talks about he talks an awful lot about um, how he realized with the old guard that he was what he was doing was dealing with uh, the death of his father um and the mortality of his dad um wow which was yeah. which was interesting um he talks a wee bit about immortality and his thoughts on immortality and you know what it is and what it might be he talks just exactly what we said there about the the copper edge he talks about you know the fact that uh it was uh, leandro fernandez who was really pushing for a follow-up and what what Greg Rucka had said is we either do one or we do three, 
So now they're doing the three, which is great. <laughs> you know, it's a three-part story. So uh, we've got another one to look forward to. And awesome. even yeah. after just issue one of the second series, which was long awaited, I'm already looking forward yeah. to the third <laughs> series because this is just quality, quality stuff. Um, you know, well, what does this look like whenever it's collected? The three volumes are collected in one hardback. That's one to buy, boys. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I adore this book. I adore the exploration of immortality and the mistakes they make. Because uh, I always love the, the fact that people think immortality is, uh, you know, you're, you're grand, you're flawless. Yeah. yeah, it's a dream. But this is this is there's the nightmare there's aspect. Pro- yeah. But there's, I suppose, there's good stuff too. Like, um, I can't remember their names. The the two lovers as well. But uh, there's there's lovely parts to it as Nicky well. And and I, I love the for all the immortality talk. I love the humanity of it. Yes, you know? exactly. And I mean, isn't that what we what we talked an awful lot about? And then he, I mean, he ends his essay here. Um, you know, he says, "I tried to write this next bit for the." for the record, three times maintaining the same pseudo-sarcastic tone as above. And yeah, I can't do it. I just can't downplay it. Guys, guys, Charlize Theron is Andy. <laughs> uh, this is for real, uh, and I know it's for oh, real yeah. because I spent a month on set in England uh, and uh, and uh, Leo uh, was in England and Morocco and we started with a comic book and sometime in 2020 there will be a movie and I'm going to say it again because after everything I've just said, it's still crazy and it's still surprising and it's no less wonderful or strange for all of it uh, and I'm going to stop typing because this is a run-on sentence of epic proportions. <laughs> um, yeah, so there you go. Uh, part one of The Old Guard, Chapter 2, Force Multiplied. Fantastic. Great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, completely lived up to expectations uh, as if we should expect any less of Mr. Rucker, to be honest. Um, there's some great titles he's on at the moment as well. Lois Lane being one of them. Yep, Lois Lane very much being one of them. Um, yeah, so those were all of our uh, sort of our main picks. Lazarus being another one. Lazarus indeed being <laughs> another one. And you'll read it someday, Keith, but Gotham Central. <laughs> uh, yeah, so as I say, that's our, that was our main picks. I mean, December 18th was such a massive, massive release week that, of course, there are tons of honourable mentions. We'll, we'll sort of keep it short and sweet on some of them. Um, I mean, one certainly I wanted to chat about quickly was Batman 85. Can you uh, wondering where this was? <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I think I was chatting to you guys about it earlier. I think sometimes it's about expectations, and I expected this to be great, and it was, whereas Harleen surpassed expectations because maybe they were lower. But, um, yeah, I was I was more than happy with how Batman 85 ended. I thought it was a great issue of moments. I thought... There were at least two or three different parts in it that actually just gave me goosebumps reading it. Um, a particular shout out to a double page spread done by Mikel Yannan, um, where the sort of the sub sort of the subtitle to it was "We Are Forever," and it was sort of showing all the big moments throughout the last maybe eighty years of the Batman Catwoman relationship. Um, you know, there's nods there to Batman Year One. There's nods to earlier parts in the story, the proposal, issue fifty, the beautiful. Clayman stuff from 78, 79, um, even with them being older in that Batman annual number. Definitely didn't two. make me cry. Not at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, it ended really satisfyingly for me. I thought there were tons of really cool nods to Batman lore. I loved that you had essentially Elmer Fudd as their bartender, <laughs> which was a lovely little nod to the <laughs> Batman Elmer Fudd issue that uh, Tom Keane had written earlier in his career. Um, there's a great part in it where Batman's talking to Thomas Wayne, who he has defeated and is now in Arkham, and he says to him, you know, I've been thinking lately, 
about you and me, which is a great nod to the killing joke, which is how Batman initiates the conversation with the Joker in that. Um, I mean, the thing about it is, it's it's a weird thing with Batman for me because it's actually hard to imagine that there won't be a fortnightly Tom King title because ever since we opened the store, there always has been one. It's always been a constant um, because this run lasted over three years and we've been open two and a half years. So uh, what's cool is Tom King has already stated Tinian will continue the narrative he's set up. He's not going to just ignore it all and, you know, start fresh. Um, so even from the last few pages, though, you can tell... Tinian, uh, I know I've said a couple of times, his, he has his newsletter, mm-hmm. in which at the minute he's talking very heavily about his Batman run, and he spoke about his Bruce Wayne will be the Bruce Wayne that Tom King finished with, Yeah, who is, obviously with what's happened in the past couple of issues, he's not exactly happy right now, Yeah, but it becomes a different Bruce Wayne. This is a Bruce Wayne who isn't dressed by Alfred the butler, this is Bruce Wayne who's going to be wearing clothes he likes that Selina will pick out, and Selina's always yeah. been a very fashionable character he's not going to be going out with the old the old crowd in gotham it's going to be the new money he's, going he's to be. not going to be the playboy yeah it's it's bruce wayne with his uh his wife the socialites that are going to be the new the new blood yeah. of gotham uh it sort of also harkens back a little bit to the start of new 52 batman where bruce is trying to appeal to the young money mm-hmm. and rebuild gotham it feels a little bit like that's where tony wants to go which isn't a bad thing no not at all i mean what what I liked about 85 was, you know, Tom King leaves his run. He leaves Bruce in a place of hope, you know, where being Batman is not the only thing that defines yeah. him. It's no longer just, I've got this singular mission. That's it. That's my life. I can't have any happiness in it. Otherwise, I can't do it. Um, it also sets up hope that the Bat family are going to come back together because I miss a Batman Robin story. Which is why Detective 1017 was so good. Well, as long as it's a, a good Robin like... Uh, Tim Drake. Yeah. Right there on the cover. Boom. Sorry, no, he's not. He's not. Sorry, Robin. Who, he's who, not Robin who, anymore. He's who, Drake right now. And who was Robin and Batman and Detective Ten Seventeen that you enjoyed so much? Damien Wayne. Damien, Damien Wayne's an awesome Robin. Um, but yeah, it's it's nice that he's sort of left him in a place where you know Bruce now has someone who understands his mission, but he's able to build a life with them as well. It only um, took him eighty years. You know, he does get his happy ending, but you know, this being comics, this happy ending will not last too long. I'm sure. Um, so yeah, I was I was more than satisfied with how Batman eighty five ended. And again, as if I don't read enough comics, I'm really looking forward to a reread of all 85 issues um, because yes. I do think this reads better in trade As one form. long story. Yeah, very much so. Um, I'm interested to see how long some of the consequences do hang around, obviously, with Alfred. Alfred, yeah. Uh, wondering when Earth 3 oh, I mean. or Earth 7B-12 <laughs> Alfred will show up to take his place. Well, I mean, I can't believe I was going to leave it there when you know I didn't mention the saddest scene of the whole book. You know, which was, uh, where were we? Sorry, I have to go through it a bit. Um, yeah, so you have all this, um, you have all this happiness for Bruce and all the rest, but then you see Thomas Wayne and Arkham and he's just completely destroyed and broken. And, <clears throat> you know, it's actually Batman saying to him, like, you're not my father and you'll never be my dad, all this kind of stuff. Um, sorry, I'm getting slightly confused. I thought the, uh, the scene at the gravestone was in this, but it was in 84. <laughs> uh, which was about, uh, Bruce speaking at um, Alfred. Alfred's grave which yeah. just broke me a little bit uh, but yeah as I say more than satisfied with Batman 85 how it ended but this was not the only long run that came to its conclusion on the 18th was it Keith? it surely was not and this was very very close to being my pick of the month or pick of the 
pick that particular week. Uh, probably, yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess because I've spoken so much about Thor over the past uh, year or so, um, whenever Force Multiplied came along, I, I sort of had to pick it. But uh, the end of Jason Aaron's seven-year run on Thor uh, came to an end with King Thor number four. Um, Jason Aaron, obviously, the writer, and Isad Rebek was the cover artist and the main artist. Um, but the book presented uh, an all-star uh, team of guest art teams from from throughout the book's run. So we had Russell Dodderman on it, Mike Del Mondo, uh, Olivier Coupiel, Aaron Cooter, you know, all of these, uh, Sorrentino, all of these uh, artists who had um, been at, at some point. Uh, he said Rebic started the run, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, very much yeah. so. <laughs> and finished it. Yeah. Um, the story was phenomenal. Um, it finished out the tale of uh, of King Thor. So throughout Aaron's run, he he looked at three eras of Thor, uh, young Thor, um, our Thor and uh, King Thor, who was the all-father uh, at this stage, um, which is exactly where he finds himself. Thor finds himself at the end of the, the Thor run as the a younger version of the all-father um, at the end of War of the Realms. Uh, Odin effectively ceded his seat as as the, the, the king of Asgard to his son. Um, but this is just uh, beautiful. It's the final battle between... Uh, between uh, between Thor and um, uh, the God Butcher, um, and Ragnarok has come, and uh, it's the end of the universe. The, the God Butcher has become the universe, and it's, uh, it's so epic. <laughs> and there is no one better to write uh, epic than Jason Aaron, and he does it so well all the way through this. It's, it's just bombastic. It is full-on heavy metal. Uh, sort of it's just it's just great uh the writing um the back and forth loki's involved here as well he's been involved all the way through this this series um you know and uh that just that's it's just so good it's just so good i'm just flicking through pages here and every one of them is just would you just, like us to leave the room for yeah a yeah minutes, probably 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 for the best um and uh i don't know if you recall but um, at a time during Jason Aaron's run, Thor became unworthy. Uh, he was no longer worthy of being uh, Thor, being the god of thunder. He could no longer lift Mjolnir. Um, and the reason for that was because way, way back uh, during Original Sin, uh, Nick Fury whispered three words in his ear, which made him unworthy. And those three words were, Gore was right. So Gore is the god butcher and, and uh, Gore's Gore's theory he was he was the ultimate an atheist effectively um and he believed that, that gods didn't believe to be gods they didn't they didn't deserve to be worshipped um they were gods were 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 at fault in all cases and uh and it was knowing this knowing that gore was right made thor unworthy of being a god but in this uh loki uh brings that full circle uh it's fantastic and uh, he tells he tells gore he goes hey, now do you see Gore was right, but Thor is Thor. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Wow. And the universe screams. So it's just so good. Um there's a there's a section in here where uh we find ourselves in Om Omnipotent City, which is the Nexus of the Gods and the and the, the halls of the all knowing and the library, and uh, Shadrach 
who has a, a place again we're coming back to characters who were introduced at the start of the run seven years ago uh you know uh shadrach is as he's the looking after the library for the lord library and dusting the books and reading the thor section and uh where then we see books like young thor uh you know uh thor the world engine thor godstorm so <laughs> all these books are runs that have been part of thor's history uh, you know, and uh, so we 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 look at some of these that we've never seen before. Thor, God Cop, things that Thor will be in future. <laughs> um, you know, the the he's effectively a Green Lantern. <laughs> you know, he's he's uh, you know Thor, God Cop, um, the Cop of Thunder, um, <laughs> Thor, the Thunder World. Whenever he loses his body and becomes effectively like equal of the Living Planet. Ah, um, oh, wow! I cool. know. <laughs> so this is where your guest artists come in. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's yeah. exactly that's exactly what it is. Um, you know, uh, very cool. It's it's really 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 good stuff. Um, we we see a little bit of uh, of a we visit a number of the characters who were who were part of the the story, including Jane Foster, including Balder, um, and. Uh, and uh, we, you know, back to where we where we are now. Um, you know, where where Thor. There's a really lovely lovely scene. Um, I think it's drawn by Dotterman. Um, and it talks about the enchantment. You know, whosoever holds uh, holds this hammer, uh, if they be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. And it's sitting uh, on the All Father's throne. And uh, we see Thor, and he says, "You know, I leave you." Talking to me all there, he says, "You know, I leave you here each night for a reason, right?" Because if I can't if I if I can't move you out of the way, then I don't deserve to sit here. So let's see where we are today, then, shall we? And he picks up Mjolnir. All father, it is for another morning at least. So be it. <laughs> so it's just that that he's still worried about being unworthy. He leaves Mjolnir on the throne every night, and knows that if he can't pick, if he's not worthy enough to pick Mjolnir up in the morning, he can't be the all father anymore. So it's it's just it's very very good. Um, it ends beautifully. Uh, the whole story ends beautifully. So, um, what was it like? Because I don't think I've really ever had this. I've read full runs, but I've never lived the full run. If you know what yeah, I mean. Oh, so. it, it's this is this is going down in history as one of the finest runs of Thor of all time. This is okay. This wow. is this is it. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting for me as someone new to it because there's characters in this last one that I'm like, oh, I only just read about them, but. I didn't have the whole <laughs> seven years between yeah. that character being there and being there. Um, because with the librarian and stuff straight away, I was like, why do I know this character? Oh, yeah, that's right. At the, the very, very start of the Jason Iron run. Um, it's interesting there you, you mentioned Baldur the Brave. In some uh, breaking news that just popped up, Christian Bale may be joining Thor, Love and Thunder, and maybe playing Baldur the Brave. Oh, interesting. So you'll so the Marvel Universe will get its second Batman yeah. after getting Michael Keaton. Uh, fantastic! Uh, the last the last couple of pages are fantastic. Um, did you shed a tear? Yes, I did. I absolutely did. Uh, because says, uh, uh, just just before you you say why it was interesting because Bruna came in today and I was talking about Bruna being Keith's better half, uh, and we were talking about the podcast and she was like, "Oh, will will you be crying again tonight?" I was like, what do you mean? She's like, oh, I don't think I don't know about it. <laughs> you know? And then I went, <laughs> friendly neighborhood number six. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of, uh, of the story uh, asks the question of what is the spirit of a thing? Uh, you know, the spirit of a sword is to cut, the spirit of a hammer is to smash. But what is the spirit of thunder? 
and we we we're we're taken to an indeterminate time. Uh, we don't know if it's the far future, if it's you know after Thor has reignited the universe and uh, and sacrificed himself and reignited the universe, King Thor, or whether it's the far past, the Viking past. But we see a father with a couple of children in a fire, and with the crack of crew of thunder. And uh, one of the children asks, what's that sound? Don't be scared, my children, that is thunder. And thunder is the sound of God loving us. Thunder is how we know he's up there fighting back the darkness for us, for another dawn. Uh, another day for us to live and dream and strive to be worthy. Let me tell you, my children, of the mightiness of our God. The spirit of thunder is to be heard. Let me tell you of the story of Thor. Amen. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. That sounds amazing. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. Anyway, sorry, that wasn't even my pick. That was an honourable mention. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead, Roddy. How about you give us an honourable mention of uh, another one that came to an end through the the joyful Marvel 80th anniversary celebration? Well, I'm not going to talk about this too much, or maybe even at all, because some people around the table have not read it. Goodness Keith, could you hurry up and read this? Oh, I've um, read this one. <laughs> this one, issue number 12, Marvel's 80th, uh, 80th anniversary. This one, Invaders, Chip Zdarsky, uh, Butch Geis, uh, Carlos Magno, is it? The very boy. And yeah. Also, the colorist is Alex Guillermoes. I don't know. Um, awesome, awesome book. Fantastic. The what is the book, Roddy? The book is Invaders. Did I not say the book? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so Captain America, Namor, Winter Soldier, joined by a few friends. Um, this is fantastic. An examination of Namor as a character, an often forgotten character, maybe of the Marvel universe, but this was tying it back to the sort of like the, the heydays of the original Human Torch, Namor, and the World the World War Two of uh, Bucky and Captain America. And in doing so, celebrating the 80 years of Marvel. Yeah. Which is yeah. what this was, I, was all about. I adored this book. Um, the artists, the two artists, put together an absolutely phenomenal piece of work. And Chip Zdarsky, I didn't... He's obviously... I don't know. This guy, he's had one hell of a year. He really has, hasn't he? I don't know. I don't know where you go. Like, what is he gonna? What is he gonna do to top it? Um, but yeah, I can't. I can't say. It. I don't want to spoil it for you, Alan, because yeah. it's just gorgeous. It's uh, it's and it's fun. I mean, the two artists they split the time periods mm -hmm. between modern day and uh, and World War Two, um, and in doing all of this, the what Zdarsky has done importantly is uh, give explanation to uh, Namor's. Um, flip-flopping between hero and villain uh, yep. over the years um uh, in a story that i guess uh also took in uh, professor x and and some of that sort of stuff so it's a really epic story um very well very well brought together with with great stakes yes uh, yeah I which mean, you don't often get no, sometimes uh, in books like yeah, that but uh, global stakes not and uh, but not only that then there's personal stakes as well mm -hmm. um yeah the i mean the invaders are are great and a lot of great wee cameos too yeah but we'll not say anything yep <laughs> this was this was a I great kind book. of feel like it i was, should be silent for the was, next 10 minutes yeah and just sit and read that it while. was it was it was close to being my pick too but i kind of yep. wanted to show we had talked about it so much i think like 
back when we were doing the monthly ones, it was kind of always up there yeah. or thereabouts. But um, can't recommend it enough. Yeah, Especially going to yeah. read really well in a trade. Yeah, so say someone like me who has little to no knowledge on the invaders and their history in the Marvel Universe. Oh. Would it be worth picking oh, up? Oh, yeah. not well, a that, you... that was me at the start of it. Yeah. 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 So you, you don't need to have... No, no. no it's the same, same as me. I had read Marvel, so I knew like okay. a bit about Human Torch and the more... Yeah, you, you, you often... The original like... to- Human Torch, that's the android, yeah? Yeah, Jim yeah. Hammond. Yeah, Jim Hammond. Okay. Yeah, yeah um, you, you could probably pick it up without knowing anything about them. Um, but could. obviously... Yeah having that other knowledge like uh, yeah. enhances the experience as yeah. well you know i think collecting trades is going to become my new variant problem <laughs> um i think this uh n- seeing it now completed i think this is very high up there as one of the series of the year yeah well yeah. chips of darcy's got a few yeah, for sure. <laughs> by for himself sure. it's right up there yeah. i mean yeah it'd, it'd probably be my marvel writer of the year mm. um you know life story was exceptional daredevil yeah. is consistently great this was Fantastic, um, and it, but it's funny because this. I mean, we were always talking about it, but it, in some ways, it also snuck in the side door. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh wow, that's good. Oh, that's really good. Oh, yeah, this is exceptional. Yeah, it's know, weird. It's, mean. it's kind of a series that arrived with very little fanfare. Uh-huh. It almost became the unofficial flagship title of the 80th year anniversary. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. absolutely agree. Yeah, you know, because it went right back to the past and the formation of Marvel and everything. Yeah. So, yep. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, to finishing that off. It is next on my list, so I'm only down to I've only in a, in something that will annoy the hell out of people sitting at this table. I have two titles left from two weeks ago, and one title left from last week, <laughs> and that's my title left from a couple weeks ago. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's Invaders number twelve. Uh, what else we want to throw out a bit of love for? Come on, we need something with an S on it again mentioned. Go on, kill. Uh, Batman Superman number five. Yeah, at least he got so. the order of the names right. It's that was brilliant, Gil. I read it. it I read was. it uh, yesterday. Joshua Williamson, he gets the relationship between Batman and Superman and writes it so well. But one of my favorite points in this is Superman just loses his temper. He just yes, gets fed up does. with. I don't. I don't the Batman think. I, I don't think he gets fed up. I think fed up is the wrong, is the wrong way of putting it. I think he has pushed his limit, and he's that happens mm. because of the threat to his family. And yeah, uh, he is. It's. Uh, so they pulled in the Batman Who Laughs version of the Watchtower, his dark and corrupted version, and inside it, Superman finds the corpses of people that he's come to consider family and friends, the, the Justice League, and it just causes him to lash out. And he gets I think angry. significantly the corpse and, of yeah, his otherworldly uh, self and probably, probably John and Lois. Enshrined. Yeah, yeah. yeah, as a trophy. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a trophy. The Batman Who Laughs greatest accomplishment he yeah. took down Superman. But it's. I don't think it's that. It's. I don't think it's the fact that he took down another version of Superman. I think that the fact that the corpses that the other version of Superman is holding are Lois and yeah. John. I oh, think yeah. that's Big what does guy. it. Um, of course, the, the difference is, it's John as a kid. John never got the chance to yeah, be yeah, bend yeah. aged. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the art is still beautiful. This just just one panel at the bottom of the page where Superman is being mocked mocked or taunted by King Shazam and the Dark Supergirl. His cousin. His his cousin. His it's not an alternate reality Kara, it's his cousin that he uh has been getting closer to as as of rebirth. And the all shows of Superman is the red cape and the red eyes. And you just know as you turn the next page it's Supergirl by the throat, King Shazam by the throat and thrown about the place like nothing. Meanwhile in the background uh 
Bruce um, is taking on some alien tech. Well, I mean, in the background, what I was, what I was sort of thinking is Batman who laughs and the the infected, the infected six are going. Oh, he's letting loose now. He's turning into one of us. Yeah, they kind of see know. it as there. Yeah, we got him now. Yeah, but it was just beautiful. The art's beautiful. I have never been as happy to find it as apparently nobody knew. This is an ongoing. I did think this was the penultimate issue. I thought, so, did we not all sort of think it was six issues? Yeah, I think to even, the point where Williamson had to come out and say, "No, guys, this is an ongoing. Please keep ordering this book. It is an ongoing." Kill McBride, please stop tweeting me asking when the last issue is coming out. <laughs> Getting a little stocky. Um, so, just what you're saying about uh, Zdarsky being your favorite of Marvel's writers, I think Joshua Williams is probably my current favorite of DCs, uh, just with the work he's doing on Flash, Flash uh, and. The work he's doing on this, yeah, Batman and Superman. It's he's one of those. He's... On you get the feeling that with Williamson, the thing is, I think twenty twenty is being set up to be Tinian's year because mm-hmm. of the elevation to doing the Bat title. It's like almost like Williamson doesn't get the credit he deserves. Um, I mean, I've I've been banging the drum for him for years because of his indie work, Neil Bider, exceptional story, birthright. Right, yep. yep. I've been banging the drum for Josh Williamson for years and. It's almost like he's a quietly great writer because he's so cons- he never writes a bad title, you know. Yeah, it's um, never. Oh, um, Joshua Williamson's latest title hasn't lived up to the way people wanted after this. It'd be cool to hear him uh, interviewed on something like uh, Stegman and His Amazing Friends. Yeah, that would be nice just to get a read on him a wee bit. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Um, and then yeah, a special shout out yeah with the artist. I think David Marquez has nailed this title the whole oh, way yeah. through it. Yep. I know that he's not on it as an ongoing because I think seven and eight's going to be Nick Darrington. Yes. But I think it's just a two issue arc. Or if you're me, than... you're probably going to assume it's Mitch Gerrard's and tweet him. Yeah, tweet the wrong person. Just as long as you don't tweet the Pope again. Um, no, I'm scared he slapped me. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> so, uh, yep, that was Batman Superman number five. And just one last one. The last page of it will get you hyped for issue six because it's someone who hasn't really shown up yet. Mm. And I can't yep. wait to see how that plays into the relationship that's been built up over the past five issues. And how Joshua Williamson writes that character. Yes, mm. very much so. Because that is one of my favorite characters. And all I want them to see all I want to see them do is knock Batman and Superman's head together and tell them to get their shit together. I mean, a little side note to that issue as well. Actually, I don't know if any of you guys read Infected, the commissioner. Um, the only reason I bring it up, the story was okay. The story wasn't anything exceptional, but the artist on it was absolutely incredible. The artist reminded me of someone like uh, Jason Faybook with their sort of design and layout. Um, it's it's the kind of book that is worth reading just for the art, and I don't often say that. Uh, it's an artist called Jack Herbert, I'm not overly familiar with, but it's definitely someone to uh, to keep an eye on. Um, seems to have worked on, done a few action comics issues actually. Uh, 981, um, did a little bit of Earth 2, did some uh, Hal Jordan Green Lantern stuff, did Superman Doom number 2. Um, but yeah, just someone to keep an eye out for because that infected Commissioner one, the art was page after page of just beautiful, uh, beautiful imagery. Um, yeah, so that's Batman, Superman number 5. Um, just a couple of other DC titles just to throw a quick bit of love out for won't go into any detail but again two more black label titles Batman Last Night on Earth number 3 and uh, Wonder Woman Dead Earth number 1 uh, two very different titles but uh, Last Night on Earth I just thought was absolutely bonkers um, <laughs> just clearly Schneider yep. and uh, 
Capilla just having a lot of fun yeah. um, and making <laughs> lots of bad jokes uh, through the Joker head, which ended up on Robin's body, which is just incredible. I think it really affects the story when you can tell that the writers and the team on it are enjoying it. Yeah. Because if you're reading something and you're like, yeah, this is fun, you can feel how much how much they pushed it and talked about how much they loved about it, raised the high for it, and then it never disappointed. You could feel that with each page it was, okay. That's that's just great. Yeah, you can tell yeah. how, how, can we, how fun must that have been. I suppose, to write. yeah. Well, like back in the day, I'm sure he had the weight of expectations with his own Batman run. So I'm thinking, obviously, with this one, he was just let loose. He felt the freedom, the weight off his shoulders. Yeah. He's like, hey, wait, I can do he's whatever I want. He yeah. proved himself. He's like, yeah. I, he, Scott Snyder, Snyder knows Batman. No one is ever going to refute that and say, you know, you're talking about me. I mean. Got to do a post-apocalyptic Batman. Yeah. Yes. And then talking about post-apocalyptic Wonder Still Woman. Still killed Superman. <laughs> Wonder Woman Dead Earth launched as well. Uh, I thought it was a wonderful first issue. It wasn't one... It was one that, again, slipped under the radar a little yeah. bit. The pre-orders weren't massive for it. Um, but we ended up selling out of it anyway. Um, people seemed to really uh, jump on board it, but... There's another guy that's been, uh, Daniel, Warren, Daniel Johnson, Warren Johnson, just been given, go ahead, to his well, the, Murder Falcon, didn't he Yeah, do? Murder Falcon uh, Extremity was another big one uh, through Image Comics, but it, it does seem very much like Black Label is a medium that they're more than happy for people to both write and draw. Yeah. You know, because yeah. obviously you got Murphy with, you know, White Knight being folded in the Black Label. You had Stefan Sajic, you have Jason, um, sorry, Daniel Warren Johnson. Um, but yeah, very, very um, promising first issue, so it was. I thought it was, a, it was a lot of fun, and it was interesting to see Diana rise from underground and walk up to what used to be the Hall of Justice, and she just sees like the skeleton of Batman just on a, you know, uh, on a sofa, and she's like, what the hell happens here? Because what's cool about Dead Earth is that um, she's not fully powered. She doesn't know exactly who she is. She doesn't know that she's supposed to have these other parts it's got a very mad maxi vibe as well i thought um but yeah really really good first issue and then uh just speaking of black label i suppose yeah keith you were throwing out a bit of love for last god um yeah i absolutely was we're uh issue issue three uh or rather what they're calling it chapter three of uh last god which is book one of the felspire chronicles so everything about what philip kennedy johnson and uh Ricardo Frederiki uh, and Sonny Go are doing here is is all about um, the the fantasy epic. It's all about you know people who love fantasy love this stuff. They love you know <laughs> chapters and books <laughs> and chronicles. You know, it's so they it's know exactly. Words to oh, absolutely. When you say people, you mean you, me and my <laughs> elk. Yeah, uh-huh. and folks oh, yeah. like me. Um, you know, use words like folk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I would say probably the the lovely the lovely people who were uh, setting up GM screens and using dice in your shop on Saturday. Yeah, uh, probably would be uh, would be uh, very much into into this sort of thing. Um, it's it's just a great book. It's it's set uh, both in the present, um, the age of Tirugalad, and thirty years in the past, the age of Olvergalad, um, which is the the two names of the same city, pre and post uh, conquering. Um, the the story is that uh, as the last living god Molotep overruns the realm of Kainanun all of these with his army of the flowering dead two fellowships living 30 years apart set out to find the black stair face the last god and save the world from oblivion separated by time doomed by secrets but united in purpose this is their story um, 
And it's just, just look at that. Look at that, Roddy. It's, it's gorgeous. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot going on. There's too much even in this one issue to, to talk about in a, in a few minutes. And I'm not someone who generally talks about these things for a few minutes, so I won't. <laughs> it's got maps. Um, it's got it's maps and songs. And it's oh, got, my God. It's got the map of Kinanoon and every every issue that map expands just a little more as we discover it a little gets, more. It gets a little bit more detail as we yeah, learn along. Um, there's, uh, there's songs that are associated with things that happen in those the stories. So in this story, at one stage, uh, one of the characters uses a spell and the, the verbal component of that spell is a song and then we're treated to the full song, including the musical notes and the cadence of the song at the end, as well as the song in the language of the elves. Um, ah. uh, For those that are fluent, yeah, we're, can you we're, give us give us a verse in Elvish there? Not no? a bit, no. not a bit. <laughs> um, we're we're treated to good try. Robbie, good try. <laughs> we're treated to a hymn, which is uh, the hymn of Freyth. It's a fragment. It's inarguably the most important historical document in Canaan. Aside from being the oldest surviving example of written language, it is also the most complete example of the ancient. Uh, Cumeric that exists, translating it into modern Cumeric remains a rite of passage for all Tilgoldian historians. Didn't you know? Um, and there's a there's a great uh, story of the the Council of Sco- Stones, uh, scram transcribed from an earlier account. It's just it's all back matter and word building and just fantastic stuff. Um, so I highly recommend you you get you get onto your two issues of this, Alan, and uh, and then pick up the third. And someone fast track the trade, please. The trade's going to be a beaut, and I don't know how long this this book one will last. How many issues it is? Uh, I no, think I mean the expectations are as far as number five. So I think it's the case of Babylon Superman. I remember somewhere vaguely thinking it was a twelve issue series, but I've never been able to find the number twelve ever, again. I don't think they ever properly announced how long it was going to be because when it was announced, it was when we knew Wonder Woman Dead Earth was going to be four. We knew Killer yeah, there was Smile no was going to be three. We knew. But there was it just said it just said number one and that was that, um, so yeah, uh, I, d- I definitely do need to get on to it. And as I say, I've got the first two issues sitting there, um, but we have to go back again to our good friend Zdarsky for a, for a wee mention again. Uh, Daredevil fifteen, uh, Daredevil for me just goes from absolute strength to strength, even if issue fifteen was spoiled for me by my own stupidity. Um, Did you speak to someone? Nope. So what happened was issue 16 came out on the 1st, sorry, the 2nd of January. So I sat down to read my comics the other day, Daredevil 16 was next on the pile. And I I always read the blurb anyway of what happened before. Marvel are very good about this, they'll always give you a little, uh, little previously on. So I start reading the previously on that says, blah, 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 blah. And I went, sorry, what? When the, did this happen? And then I, I, tur- I turned to Vicky and I was like, is there any chance you have Daredevil 15 on your side of the bed? And she did. Uh, I thought I'd read it. <laughs> I had not read it. Um, Daredevil 15 was an awesome issue, even knowing what I knew, because it was almost like it was building up to this feeling of ill ease for how the issue was going to end. don't want to throw out too many spoilers out there, because I know people are trade reading and stuff like that. But Daredevil's very much a Fisk book, as much as it is a Matt Murdock book. And that's one of its strengths. You know, Wilson Fisk is... I suppose in a weird way, in echoes of what Harleen is, he's desperately, desperately, desperately trying to go straight. He's desperately trying to be the mayor of New York. He's trying to leave behind his criminal empire. But what he's sort of finding out is the mayor of New York is not as scary as the kingpin of New York. And it's all about that balance. But in issue 15, you know, 
he, he's gotten the better of, and that's something you're not used to seeing very often. Um, yeah, the the um, the storm winds is not storm winds is the character. They're just family in America. They're the the top one, not point one percent of the one percent. Yeah, um, and they they is the way they they look at him as a as a thug. Not like like they're yeah. you know crap on his, sh- crap like a, on his shoes, like a, you know, like a toy, and uh, you know, obviously Kingpin has has he's fallen to his baser natures over the past few issues, but on their property. Yeah, and they're not interested in really what he did. They're interested in the fact that he disrespected them by doing it on their property. Doing it on their property, and uh, it's just yeah. Kingpin's used to being large and in charge, and he's fine. large and in charge. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there anybody who personifies that particular term better? I've never heard that before. Um, and, uh, that needs to be a bumper sticker and a badge. Uh, I'm quite sure it is. Oh, it definitely <laughs> quite is. Sure Large and in that's charge. On, that's on Keith's really car. never heard that expression. <laughs> but uh, but Maybe yeah, it's just the way it was so subtly dropped into the conversation. <laughs> it was just a similar tone. It was like you know, he's definitely used to being large and in charge. You know, it's yeah. So great stuff. I mean, he uh, and he's he's just not here. He's just yeah. uh, and it just it's lovely that it, that that juxtaposes as you say against the story of of. Uh, it's nearly the 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 rise of Matt Murdock and the fall of Wilson of, Fisk. Of yeah. Wilson Fisk. Uh, but they both very much started this arc at the opposite end yeah, because yeah, yeah. Fisk was on top of the world, yeah. untouchable as mayor of New York, and Matt had all this guilt about someone dying because of a mistake he made, and he felt like a murderer, and he had given up the mask. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, you know that great issue with Spider Man. I think it was issue five. Yes, absolutely. Um, where they had their sort of you know confrontation, where Matt didn't even put well, up a fight. So. More of an intervention than a confrontation, maybe. Yeah, that that yeah, that's probably yep. fair. Um, well, it never became a confrontation because Matt just gave up. He was just like, "Look, you're right." Simple mm-hmm. as that. He didn't you know put up a fight, so to speak. But yeah, so he sort of started off at rock bottom, and Fisk was at the top. And then as the arcs have went on, of course you can't see my hands right now in this uh, audio medium, but you know as Fisk was falling, Matt was rising, and they've definitely passed each other again. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think? Definitely. Definitely with Matt's relationship with Electra. You haven't read issue 16 of Italy, but... Yeah, I think... But Matt's happier now than he was, and Fisk is you know, more depressed than he was. You know, it's... Well, yeah, I mean, my, my thought was maybe they'll meet halfway. Mm. You know, maybe, 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 maybe Fisk has further to fall and Matt has further to rise. Mm-hmm. I think Fisk will rise again, but I think he'll rise in a way that he was trying to get away from. He was trying to get away from the criminal empire, um, but he will rise through the criminal ranks again. I think because you know can't keep a large and in charge man down. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, last one I'm going to mention, if you don't mind, I know it's Promise. one that Roddy's on as well. Uh, it's another Marvel one, uh, uh, Conan Serpent War issue two. Oh yeah, uh, I love this being book. Great. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're really, they're really doing great stuff with Conan at Marvel now. They've got that license back. Tell you what, yeah, yeah it's been a year of Conan. It has 80th been anniversary, a, yeah. but yeah. they've also, although it probably was uh, 2018 when Conan started with Marvel, but um, would have been they, late 2019 or 2018. Yeah, they've done and Jason Aaron again on the main series. Um, Jerry Duggan on Savage or does it? Jerry Duggan is on Savage at the minute, yeah. Yeah, there's Um, different different writers have came and went on it. Yeah, Jerry Duggan's coming back to cable as well. He's Um, doing a lot of stuff. But but Jim Zub on this and Steven Segovia. On the art, uh, which is just, it's lovely. So uh, Serpent War is a crossover between, it it is called Conan Serpent War, um, but as yet he hasn't demonstrated how he is the lead character Mm. uh, because this is a crossover between uh, Conan... Uh, the adventurer, 
uh, Mark Spector, the Moon Knight, a uh, favorite character of mine, Solomon Kane, the Paladin, and uh, Dark Agnes, the Fighter. Um, so across time, these four warriors were uh, observed by James Allison, a dying bedridden man with the unique ability to see his past heroic lives. James, guided by a mysterious and powerful force, transported uh, Agnes to Conan's side uh, in the Carpesh Mountains in the ancient Hyperborean Age. Hyborian Age. Uh, and uh, Moon Knight to Solomon Cain in 1500s England. And now these unlikely allies face an evil far greater than they could ever imagine, fighting in two time periods. Uh, it's kind of interesting uh, the the relationships between the characters, and I wasn't aware of uh, of who Dark Agnes was no, uh, prior me neither, to this. Me neither. Um, yeah. I was familiar with Solomon Cain, the Five Puritan, the uh, yeah, yeah, the, yes, the, yes. the Puritan warrior. <laughs> um, obviously, Conan and uh, Moon Knight. Um, so it's really, really interesting. It's just been a like. Do you know something that's really fun that again just came out of nowhere? Like, who would have thought Moon Knight? and like solomon kane and conan all together would be a blast but it is it it's is such a, blast. A, such a just a fun book i'm like i'm usually just smiling when i read it i'm like well yeah it's great that's great and they've got a in the same way as conan has got the the prose uh stories at the back of mm-hmm. the both books this has a prose story by uh c.l werner about uh solomon kane there's a four-part solomon kane story which is a real blast as well i watched um myself and bruno watched uh the witch um <gasps> The other week, which sort of cover, it's about really a, a, a Puritan society in America. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that the whole Puranical, Pur- Puritanical um, way of life and Solomon Cain was kind of on my mind. Uh, <laughs> you know, a little bit. Uh, and this just... This... I would have loved to have seen Solomon Cain in that film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Solomon Cain in America. But, and that whole backdrop of like 1500s England. Uh, you know the sort of stuff that they they covered in the Hammer horror movies and mm-hmm. uh, and all of that. It's it's just great. It's great is stuff. It, what's that one? Blood on Satan's Claw is that from around the same time? Have you ever seen that one? No. It's one of they say it's one of the earliest uh, folk horror films with the Wicker Man. I think it's about puritanical times in yeah, England. Yeah, I mean it I could think be. So. Yeah, it's. Uh, um, but I mean, in the the. Uh, Solomon Kane is paired with Moon Knight, and of course, Moon Knight wor- worships Khonshu, the Moon God, and uh, Solomon Kane knows there is only one God, <laughs> you know. So, and uh, he's like, "Well, who are you? Are you a devil worshiper? You're not a devil worshiper, okay? Uh, then, okay. Well, I'll be watching you, but we can work together, you know. But it, it's very, very good stuff. That's yeah, their yeah. dynamics fantastic. It isn't is, it? it is, and then uh, Conan and Dark Agnes, they are just." They're not loving each other at all, no. <laughs> you know. That's, but maybe they will. I think they will. I think yeah. uh, Conan is is starting. She's starting to prove herself to Conan as a warrior, which is what he needs, you know. And yeah. Conan's starting to prove that he's not just a meathead. Uh, <laughs> so that's that's a really good. It's a really good story. Um, don't don't be confused because Conan, the something for the serpent crown is coming Battle. out. Yeah. Battle for the serpent crown is coming out very soon, uh, and I think it crosses over with this. Uh, oh, but it's really? not this. Rather this than is, a direct yeah. follow-up to Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Conan, Serpent War, not Conan, Battle for the Serpent Crown. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So uh, when is the lesson? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're nearly finished December 18th. Um, yeah, just a couple it's more. Just two hours. I mean. Yeah, I mean, there's just a couple more. Just throw out a bit of love for. I mean, the, the sort of last two, I would say, for me anyway, I finally got around to reading Doom 2099. 2099 for me hasn't really 
held my attention as much as it could have. Alan, I have bad news for you. What have you, Scott? It's the 11th. Oh, Doom was what? out on the 11th. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm I so only sorry. Read it. I only read it last night, so tough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed 2099. Uh, the Doom story, again, chips at Arsky on writing uh, duties there. Um, so what that will mean is that I will only have one recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, one, more, just... um, one more honorable mention, and that is a title that absolutely nobody is reading called Vampire State Building. Um, which I was drawn to simply because it was Charlie Adler's first work once The Walking Dead concluded. Um, and it is awesome. Uh, it is Die Hard with Vampires. If that doesn't sell it to you, I don't know what will. Um, but essentially, uh, vampires have taken over the Empire State Building. There's people trapped inside. They've closed off the building and they're trying to, um, they're trying to control the situation. Uh, the guy who's the main cop coordinating you know how to deal with this it's his daughter that's inside but there's a very sort of al powell you know sort of from die hard sort of feel to it as well with the character outside trying to reach in it's also interesting to see charlie adler's art in uh color um because obviously walking dead was always black and white uh it seems to be it's the two writers on this uh Ange and patrick renault i believe it's just going to be four issues there is a hardcover coming soon uh, it's from a Blaze Comics, so backtracking issues might be tricky because it's a small print label. But just keep that in mind. Die Hard with mm. Vampires. That will be a movie I in a year that, or two. that tree is going to be on my list. Can I ask, are they proper vampires? Yes. Okay. That's, as long as they're not sparkling or anything? Uh, no, this is very much, you know, vampire as horror. This okay. is, um, you know, it's... Uh, let me see if I can just pull up like a wee page for you just to give you a, a sort of idea. But... Um, no, this is very much proper old school vampires, you know, yeah. undead, but they can kind of conceal themselves as well, uh, which is kind of interesting. But no, these are bloodthirsty, yeah. bloodsuckers, good stuff, um, okay. and just a lot of fun, to be honest. Um, I think that's, from this show alone, I think that's another trade that's going to be messaged <laughs> to you tomorrow, being, could you put this on the list for me? Uh, um, yes, yeah, so that was Vampire State Building, and I think... From the list that I pre-made, I have I can see two more. I think one will oh, be yeah. Roddy, and one is one that Roddy is just falling out of love with. Oh, really? Um, no, not not quite yet. We'll get to them next month. How about that? <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll continue your twenty ninety nine go around. Um, as long as it came out in the eighteenth. We had yeah. The only two titles were Amazing Spider Man thirty six. And that sort of dealt with the aftermath of it. Doombot's still around the city, and Silver it Sable, really well, didn't it? Silver, yeah, Silver Sable, sort of helping Spider-Man to tidy it all up. Really enjoyed that. The um, continuing sort of merry-go-round of artists is it's still okay. I think uh, Oscar Basildo did a really good job on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really enjoyed that. And it was uh, Omega was the other one that came out. In yeah, the same it was day. the. It was the, the the finish of it wasn't it? So that w- that was it. Yeah, yeah. twenty ninety nine. Interesting. Yeah, enjoyed parts of it. The main part I really dug. Probably could have done without, apart from Doom, and maybe one or two others. I wasn't all that fussed on the tie-ins. Fantastic Four. I'd love to see a twenty ninety nine series, just a, a twenty ninety nine ongoing. Well, um, that's that was what was kind of frustrating yeah. about the books because you. They were all like little tiny yeah. origin stories, and you didn't really get a sense of who or what the character was, you yeah, know? Yeah. Because um, you had, I just remember the Ghost Rider one, or was it was it the Ghost Rider or the Punisher one? 
and like it wasn't until the end where they got their costume. And it, it, was, was like, it was a really cool cover, all, and you're like, oh, come on. They were all origin stories in a way. Yeah. Uh, they were all origin stories, and often they, they, they don't and go anywhere. And it didn't anywhere. really yeah. tie in. The only one that really sort of tied in was, like, Doom, really. Yeah, and Could I mean... it possibly be setting up to something? It, it, it said, you know, they have said they have, a, they have big plans for 2099 uh, and 2020, apparently. I mean, I don't know if they were talking about this or if they're talking about something else. Um, yeah, there's certainly nothing in the previews books upcoming yeah, at the moment. You know, I mean, it's interesting that 2099's coming back in the same year that he's coming back in Spider-Verse. I think Spider-Man 2099. Yeah, probably yeah, I mean, just yeah, a coincidence, yeah. but it's probably going to use that as a fresh burst for the character. So. I mean, I wouldn't let... Uh, if you haven't read the original Spider-Man 2099 ongoing by Peter David... Um, I would still highly recommend it. It okay. is yeah. fantastic. It holds up nicely. Um, you know, as as they would say in 2099, it's shocking fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that the uh, Marvel version of Shway? Is that for Batman Beyond? That's Batman Beyond, yeah. Shway. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, no, Spider-Man 2099, when I was younger, a bit less picky on why I liked stuff. I liked Spider-Man 2099 because he had a cape. Yeah, that kind of a wedding. Yeah, that was that was that was just a. It's a it's a solid solid Residual story. Residual Superman fandom. Um, solid origin as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's because good stuff. It, because it, the character began with S, ended in man, and had a cape. Blue and red color scheme as well. <laughs> Perfect. Well, not easily led. Okay, um, <laughs> I'm gonna keep going. Uh, so I'll make it quick. Um, this was the other big number one of the the month that we didn't really talk about. Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoyed Suicide Squad. Oh, I, th- I think you maybe mentioned it, I actually. Mentioned it yeah, quickly briefly. with Harleen. Um, Tom Taylor very much setting up all his own characters in Suicide Squad. And then killing them. I mean, what I like about Suicide Squad is that for years now, Suicide Squad has been a stupidly named title because there's no way Deathstroke's going to die. There's no way Harley yeah. Quinn's going to die. There's no way all these characters that are established, they're always going to have the last minute save. With this one, Tom Taylor was like, yeah, I'll maybe create like 50 new characters and then I can do with them what I want. Um, so this was very much an origin issue for a new Suicide Squad. thought it was really well written. Um, yeah, I look forward to issue two. Cool. Yeah, also uh, enjoyed it. Also enjoyed Suicide Squad number one. Picked art it up. It was lovely as well. Was that? It was lovely. The art. Yeah, it was really it was... clean lines. Yes. Um, but Tom, I picked it up because of Tom Taylor. <laughs> I have really no interest in Suicide Squad. Less interest after the Oscar-winning movie. Um, <laughs> and obviously Harley was on the cover. So again, that's another strike against taking it. taking hits. Uh, hits, hits. But, but you still up, went for it. Picked up the first yeah. issue cause, because Tom Taylor. <laughs> yeah. And it looked nice. And I'll probably pick up the second issue as well. There is the thing that was not so much appreciated, but advised to me when I started coming to the store was, yeah, have your favorite characters, but look at creators. Which then pushed me into Tom King and I ended up collecting Batman, Tom Taylor. and. But that's it. I mean, uh, I think that any character and any story can be good if it's written by the right person. Yeah. You know, it's like, again, I'm not the biggest Superman guy, but the way that he was written in Up in the Sky oh, it was, perfect. was phenomenal. Um, what was interesting about Suicide Squad, I mean, I understand the concept of Suicide Squad and who the Suicide Squad are and what, they're, what the high concept of the series is. Um but what is interesting is this new series, the rules have changed. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like I'm yeah. coming into this and I'm sort of as on the back foot as the the two main characters in this case, yeah. Harley and Deadshot are. Yeah, the, ex- yeah. the experienced yeah. members of the squad, they've been there from pretty much the 
origin. And they, the inexperienced members of the squad yeah, don't really have to worry they, about uh, a terrible lot. They haven't quite got blown up yet. <laughs> Even just Amanda Waller being sort of side-swept yeah. in it as well was interesting. So, yeah, I mean, same again. Yeah, definitely Faith and Tom Taylor. So continue with that. Awesome. Um, well, I'll not take too long. My eyes are on the clock. But um, there's a couple of... Well, two more weeks think, to get through here, Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> in terms of the 18th, there was a lot of... Maybe on everyone's pull list, they weren't forgotten, but there were certainly there was a lot of ongoing indie titles that just kept kicking ass. Um, so you've got Folklords number two, number two, yeah, beautiful, really good. You guys love in Middle West, Middle West, yes, um, fantastic book. Let's see what else. Once in Future number Once five, in I future, believe. Future, yeah, Farmhand number twelve. Oh yeah. Farmhand, Farmhand is an amazing title. Yeah, I can't read. Sick tick out on yeah. that uh, day as well. Yeah. Something is killing the children. <laughs> oh no, was it? Mm, oh, I'll have to look into that. Don't make me backtrack no, when I just you, did you the voice. Have, you may have to backtrack. I just did the voice for Sorry. Uh, we'll cut that out. We'll cut nothing that out. is killing the children quite yet. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting. Um, Bruna is obviously not a huge comic fan, but she's been reading a bit of Middle West. Um and uh, the other day she said to me, um, that, uh, uh, you went to work there and you left a uh, farmhand um, issue and I uh, just was flicking through it. Uh, what about uh, leaving those ones for me? <laughs> <laughs> Great book. That's good to hear. Um, yeah, and then American Jesus, The New Messiah, that was uh, Mark Miller again. That was, that was the Project uh, Xmas. That was the uh, secret title. Yeah, that was a sequel to a beloved Miller World work. I was just disappointed that it wasn't Magic Order. Ah, uh-huh. and uh, rounding it out with Christmas, and then I'll pass it over to Kaylin. Uh, I loved this one, Klaus: Life and Times of Joe Christmas, which was done as a calendar. It was like a calendar flip book. It was. The other way around, yeah. if you imagine. Um, brilliant, really good. Dan Mora and Grant Morrison can't beat it. And Grant Morrison does Christmas. Didn't you have a Valiant title to round us all off, Killen? Yes. Uh, Jesus, this is a first. A Valiant title? A Valiant title has made it its way onto uh, the podcast. I will admit that genuinely the only reason I picked up this issue one was because I asked Alan to pre-order me the first four issues because they came with Kenneth Rockford variant covers. Is that the first four or the first five? When it was originally solicited, the, fir- the first book said it was one to four. The, the order form said, said it the was order form said it was one to five, one to five. And the new previous book says it's one to six. Oh, right. So there's I think a they usually issues. do five issues. There uh, are five issue series, don't they? Yeah. Out yeah. For this series. So. this is issue one of something. But it's The Visitor. Um, and I said, I have no clue what it was about going in. I had no idea what it's the Valiant Universe. I had nothing to do it, just love the design. Pretty much the same reason I picked up Triage because there was a cool robot looking dude in the cover. Mm-hmm. If you want to ever want to sell me something, put an S on it or a robot. <laughs> Why not I both? not tell people that. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> um, yeah, the visitor, just going through it quickly, is it didn't. It wasn't the story I thought it was going to be. Uh, as me and Roddy were talking about earlier, you don't quite ever meet the visitor in issue one until just um, the last page. Uh, let me just find it. Where you see the back of him. Mm. You, d- you don't even get to yeah. see his face. <laughs> but it's the point where I bought this for a nice cover and I've never been as glad that I actually picked it up because I think I would have regretted not reading it as it's coming out. 
Yeah. Um, the art's beautiful. The stories in it. I'm invested in the characters. He looks cool on the he cover. Looks really um, cool. He's blue I'm and glowy, and there's a Grim Reaper in the moon. I'm what really excited for it because I thought it was kind of like a ninety a '90s action film. I got the that yeah. kind of vibe from it. Really sort of. Uh, kind actually of interesting classic some sci-fi. of the stuff Val- Valiant is doing. I was just flicking through it, and even at the back, um, this new series Doctor Tomorrow. Just yeah. flicking through it, I'm interested in it, which is worrying. Quantum and Woody's been good in the past. That's about my only exposure I, to Valiant. I've been thinking, um, even with The Visitor, you don't need to know anything about the no. Valiant universe. It's the I, same with a couple of others, and they just announced a new sort of crime noir series, which looks class. The Valiant universe seems to be getting yeah. a major push. Like I know uh, Brett Booth is on Bloodshot. Mm-hmm. It's I think it's it's pretty much his baby. Um, I think it, Valiant's definitely got a. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited push. for the future of it, you know. Yeah, I think whether, they'll have a big year. Four, five, or six issues, I'm going to be getting them all. Uh, cool. It'll just be fun to find out how many issues I end up doing. I do end up getting. Uh, I mean, that's a unique way to make sure you that you get all the issues, isn't it? It's like because when you pre-order them through the store with these pre-order editions, which give you a little bit of back matter and stuff, you're committed to getting them all. But yeah. they announce it as a four, and then suddenly it's 15 issues. <laughs> yeah and i don't mind after reading it i really don't mind that there might be two extra issues to it yeah because in a story where or in an issue where the character that i was looking forward to didn't show up i still loved it i think uh, it's it's um yeah i mean i think valians will be worth keeping an eye on this year they've got some interesting looking stuff in yeah. it as as roddy says it's not like you need to read it all but maybe one title will sort of start you off on yeah, it maybe yeah you'll look into I had always had the the thought that you need to oh definitely (laughs) because I'm looking at this and I'm still reading this Doctor Tomorrow (laughs) synopsis and it's just grabbing me more and more so I need to put that down are we looking at uh, another Boom Studios no it's another Valiant I know but I mean the way Boom the way Boom (laughs) the way Boom has really just exploded exploded this year yeah that's very much so good point Um, yeah cool so believe it or not that is the end of first week december 18th uh, <laughs> it's been a pleasure oh wait no we have two more weeks to do um yeah i mean we i say we have two more weeks to do uh december 26th there was very minimal releases uh it was very much a case of dc had front loaded the 18th they literally had zero single issues on the 26th marvel was the same i think marvel front loaded a lot but they still had a couple of big titles on the 26th um they did. which we'll we'll certainly chat about how many um, uh, how many issues did you have from the 26th overall how many did I have in my pull list? I think it was four. I had three. <laughs> I had none, then I picked up one this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, the 26th was, you know, this is the thing. Like I'd said to a lot of people coming into the store, I mean, the pull lists for everyone on the 18th were insane. So I'd even said, look, maybe spread it over a couple of weeks because there was nothing out in the 26th. But um, there, there was still some good quality there. I mean, for me, the standout issue uh, was Venom, number 21. Uh, Venom, this is the start of the Venom Island arc that is the direct follow-up to Absolute Carnage. Um, Venom's one of those series, like I've recently organized for the store a 96-issue Venom lot uh, coming from a store in the States simply because I wanted first prints of 1 to 20 for myself (laughs) because I gave my copies up. This is one of my worst habits in the store is, you know, if someone comes in looking something and I haven't. I tend to give up my own copies, but 
absolute carnage really reignited my love of what Donny Cates is doing with Venom. I thought it was a wonderful event. Um, he was doing good stuff in Venom before that. Oh, big time! But I just it just because I missed out on those those titles Get because you. I'd give them yeah. away, so to well sold them. Um, I sort of stepped away from Venom a little bit, and Absolute Carnage really reignited it for me. So, um, with Venom Island, as I said, this is a direct aftermath of Absolute Carnage, where uh, Eddie actually absorbed Carnage's symbiote. So now he essentially has two voices in his head, um, which is really interesting. And an interesting change in one of the creative voices, in that Ryan Stegman has stepped back, and uh, the the legend that is Mark Bagley. Yep. Uh, most lately of Spider-Man Life Story, Life Story. has stepped up uh, in, in art. Yeah, and I mean, one of one of the joys of Absolute Carnage was the art, but even though it's a slightly different style, it doesn't miss a beat. It is still a beautiful-looking issue. And, uh, you know, following the end of Absolute Carnage, uh, we are working under the understanding that we have a sort of Damocles hanging over our heads mm-hmm. in, that, uh, in that Eddie made... Uh, I guess a, a kind of a critical choice, and that choice was to save his son, save his son or stop release, the god of the symbiotes. Yeah, and he no. chose what he feels every father would have chosen, and decided to save his son. But now, Noel, the god of the symbiotes, is released. He's and moving he's across coming. the universe, and God is coming. Yeah, yeah, they're very much building up to that um, through Venom. I think they'll they'll touch on that in Thor. I think that. You know, Donny Cates very much has his own little corner of the Marvel Universe and all the stuff just seems to be really good quality. Uh, Guardians finished off really well as well, I thought. Um, but I yeah. mean, I think, I think it's not just Donny Cates' corner of the universe. I think he's right there with Al Ewing and, um, and with uh, Jason Aaron. Yeah. I mean, the stuff that Jason Aaron has been doing up until now in Thor and in Avengers and what Al Ewing is doing in uh, Guardians mm-hmm. and will be doing in Guardians, rather. Um, you know, the, these things are all... Linking up well. Well, that's what made this uh, the start of Venom Island really interesting because you mentioned the Avengers and the crux of this issue is that Eddie is invited to you know Avengers Mountain and is essentially offered a spot in the Avengers. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's dealing with a lot here because he does have Carnage's voice in his head. Well, he he, he learns that uh, during this meeting with the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of puts him off his stride a wee bit. Yeah, to, to say the least. So it's a case of obviously while he's dealing with that kind of stuff, he sort of says, look, can can I think about it? Can, can I think about joining the Avengers? Um, and then that all leads to him essentially secluding himself with Venom Island. I love how Mark Bagley draws Captain America. Yeah, very classic. Very classic. It's classic. It's classic it reminds Cap. me of Life Story, the Cap- yeah. Captain America yeah. that appeared in there. Yeah. Um, so it's worth, um, I think it's worth pointing out that uh, the the island that they refer to um, as as Venom Island, which is uh, uh, Isla de Huesos, um, the the island of bones, um, was the first the the story in which this first appeared. The Amazing Spider Man story in which this first appeared was the first story I ever read that had Venom in it. Uh, so this was there was back in the nineties there was a a book it was a a a, a UK release called Complete Spider Man. Uh, what it did was every month it compiled the four issues of Spider Man that had been released. Yeah. In that month, uh, it wasn't necessarily up to date, but it was you know so the uh, Web of Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man, uh, Peter Parker Spider Man, and Spectacular Spider Man, and it 
put them all together in one chunky chunky book which sort of i collected on a monthly basis and the first one i collected had the story where uh peter had spider-man and and trying to defeat venom had lured him to this island and then had faked they had a nearly like a, a predator type dealio going on in the island for a few days and then uh peter faked his own death mm-hmm. and in doing so satisfied both eddie and the symbiote that he was dead and eddie and the symbiote then decided well he's dead our mission's fulfilled we can now live happily on this island <laughs> uh, and they did so until such time as maximum carnage which was uh the that the pregenitor of the, the absolute carnage story so this is where this all twists up nicely with what donny Cates has done uh in maximum carnage whenever carnage escaped from ravencroft initially and uh, assembled his mad murderous family of shriek and the demo goblin and again all these characters who appeared in absolute carnage or spin-offs of absolute carnage and spidey realized that he had to assemble his own team and core to that team would be carnage's father venom so peter had to go back to the island tell venom actually i tricked you i'm alive but i need your help <laughs> so, so so parker luck well yeah uh, but this is the same island this is that island and that is a thing of beauty <laughs> <laughs> now this is a very strong opening to venom island i think um it's essentially you know eddie trying to get rid of his demons almost so to speak um, you know, he leaves behind a little note for his son as he uh, disappears off. Um, of course, he leaves the... Do you ever notice how in Venom, it's always raining? doesn't yep. matter who's the, who the artist is, yep. it's always raining. Is he in Belfast? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a corner of New York called Belfast. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of um, the start of Mission Impossible Fallout, where he's in Belfast. <laughs> yes, yeah, just randomly. It's, it's a warehouse and rain, the and most, that makes it Belfast. The most nondescript alleyway in the world. <laughs> I remember getting really excited when that popped up. I'm going, yeah. oh, what are we going to see that we recognize? Uh, the, cinema, the cinema that I was in was like, you. Yeah. <laughs> Very different from season three of Sons of Anarchy, which clearly is not Belfast. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. about season two, Derry Girls? Well, you know, it has its, uh, it has the biggest Smithfield market that has ever been. Uh, yeah, they em- walk for half an hour. Endless they? corridors. Um, um, just the rain thing. Is rain not, or am I maybe overanalyzing a little bit? Does rain not usually signify change in a story? Well, then Venom's been changing every single issue. But well, has, has he not though? Has he not grown from an anti-hero till a hero, from Eddie Brock the arsehole till a father? Well, yeah, that's a fair yeah, point. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, there you go. A, a point from an artistic point from the young man in the corner. <laughs> I really need to read Venom though. Stephen, if you're listening to this, you still owe me your single issues. <laughs> yeah, he's not giving those up. They're way too pricey. No, no, no. He said for the, like, the third time that he would uh, let me read his run, which I fully believe he will. It's just Stephen is uh, organizing them again. So it'll be 2022. I should point out that, Never mind. Uh, that it is available in trade. It yeah, is, don't is point that out to me. I have issues with trade. And it's right in front of you now in uh, glorious hardcover. Uh, yeah, yeah. so right. that was that was my favorite anyway. Yeah, December. Yeah, really looking that forward to seeing where the story 20, goes. And that's twenty two hits this week. Yeah. So yeah, looking forward to that. Um, nice one. Again, another couple of Marvel titles. I know one that you particularly enjoyed, Roddy. Yeah, um, he, this interestingly, Roddy liked the look of Doctor Strange, and then he saw this glorious uh, Del Otto Del yeah. Otto cover. That's uh, lovely. Sort of, yeah, <laughs> we variants, lovely, lovely yeah. stuff. Like. Yeah. Gabriel Del Otto, he's, he's just, well, you're not, you're not getting it, Keith, you're not getting it. Getting dirty looks from Keith. Um, but yeah, um, 
just decided to pick this book up on a whim, um, basically because I remembered Keith talking about it, and then I was like, oh yeah, there's a shiny Delato variant on the cover of, or the wall of Coffee and Heroes. I was like, do you know what? I'll go for that. Um, really enjoyed this book, Keith. Um, yeah, I'm so, absolutely with you. So, I mean, we've got Mark Wade coming off Doctor Strange and going back on to Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme. Do you know what I actually quite liked at the end? Um, it doesn't give you the credits until the very end. But uh, at the back, it's not writer and artist. It's the storytellers. Yeah. Mark Wade and Kev Walker. That's very, very cool. Um, what else do we know Kev Walker from? He's done... He's a British artist. He's done lots of Magic the Gathering cards. Oh, okay. And I think he did quite a lot of 2008D and other Those things. sorts of things. So, I mean, the, the backstory of this is that... I mean, it, and they, they tell it. They tell it right at the very, very start. Um in a page, effectively, is that um, we know Doctor Strange as a young man was the, the best surgeon in the world, the best neurosurgeon. He didn't serve others, just himself. If you wanted his services, you had to meet his fee. His fans were as fine his hands were as fine instruments as uh, as Hyvett's violin or Clapton's Stratocaster. And then an auto accident took away his talents, destroyed his hands. Um, and uh, he went searching the world uh, for some sort of cure and... In doing so, he found the Ancient One and a new path to fulfillment uh, through sorcery rather than science uh, and became the Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, at the end of Wade's run on Doctor Strange, uh, there was, it was, it was a, a lovely just one-issue, two-issue story after a series of arcs. Um, and in this story, uh, there, there was, as a result of a spirit, a car crash. And Doctor Strange came along to exercise the spirit as a. In the last few issues of the series, he was effectively a, a spiritual troubleshooter, you know. And he, he came along to exercise the spirit, but in the accident, a young girl was uh, very badly injured, terminally injured, and Doctor Strange needed his sorcery couldn't cure the problem. He needed his surgical skills, and his hands wouldn't allow him to do it. So he effectively, what 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 Wade has done throughout his run has shown that all magic has a price. Uh, and, and you see that in here yes, as well. Yes, you absolutely yeah. do. Uh, and it's become the centerpiece of my magic in the Marvel Universe, which is there's a few books coming out, Strange Academy, and I'm interested to see that they'll keep this, you know. But uh, Strange took a gamble and did a deal with a demon in order to remake his hands, knowing that there is a price to be paid and a price that will be paid, and that price remains hanging over his head. Mm -hmm. uh, but <laughs> remade his hands uh, in order that he could uh, undertake brain surgery in this child and save her life and now that leaves Doctor Strange in a very strange position because uh, he is once again the surgeon supreme he is a the world class neuro, uh, neurologist but he also remains the, the sorcerer supreme and, and guardian of the earth dimension mm -hmm. um, so the, the the crux of this book is that he's now dividing his time yeah which we see very very literal as well <laughs> he, he walks to the hospital instead of Obviously, creating a door between the hospital and um, uh, what do you call the place? Sanctum. The sanctum. Yeah. Um, obviously, that creates an issue if he's to create a pathway between those two. Because doors so, are two ways. Yeah. He doesn't want someone walking from his office into the sanctum. Finding out where the sanctum is. Yeah. And there's, uh, there is love. I, when I think of Doctor Strange, I do not think of, you know, I don't want to say the street level, but I thought there was a really nice human aspect to him. He's he's yeah. weak and he's fallible, but he's still the arrogant Doctor Strange. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
And I really, really enjoyed that despite like I didn't read the previous one, but I just thought this one did a really great job of setting up all the stakes. You didn't you read the previous I haven't, no. You haven't read the no, previous series? No, just uh, decided you, to pick this up and win and I do it. knew everything. Grab some issues. Um, I love that line. I devoted last weekend finding a spell uh, that would create a 30-hour day. Doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of those sorts. Yeah, so it, it, it does. It sets up that... Um, it sets up that that new status quo um, for Doctor Strange and... Uh, and we see how his lives overlap, both uh, and bureaucratically speaking. You know, he's now he goes. Jesus, he goes. This afternoon was uh, the afternoon was devoted to the bog of hospital bureaucracy. Ten times more Byzantine than it used to be. Uh, form after form, an antiquated paper, mostly so the insurance companies can search for technicalities to avoid payment. This is why one hires an assistant, uh, <laughs> and he's got this assistant called Kermit. Uh, again, the 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 dialogue in this was fantastic. Yeah, it was yeah, really, really you know good. Mark Wade's dialogue just flows, um, and uh, he's done a deal with him. The deal is that you know he will do Doctor Strange's paperwork, but the deal is that he gets one cape question a day. You know, <laughs> did you ever date the Enchantress? No. Did you think about it? That's two. What was her deal? One cape question a day. One cape question a day. <laughs> <laughs> You still haven't told me how the mindless ones can respond to orders if they're mindless. I'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. Very good indeed. Um, the, uh, the the talk that uh, the new uh, dean of the hospital uh, is coming tomorrow. Uh, she wants to know... Actually, the, the scene that leads up to this is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, where, you know... Yeah, she's worried that Doctor Strange isn't following procedures, and uh, Doctor Strange is going. Well, you know the guy who reported me is just jealous. He didn't like me when I was young. He doesn't like me when he's when he's old. You know, um, and Doctor Strange says, uh, "Here," and offers her a tissue, and uh, she's talking away. And she says, "There are lines that I. Why do you want me to take a tissue?" And then she sneezes, and he goes, "Because you're coming down with a cold. Goes in tight. You're good." I'm very good. <laughs> <laughs> and they talk about the, she talks about the new dangers of the hospital. She goes, I wanted to know if I'm going to like him as a boss. And uh, she's, Dr. Strange goes, why ask me? He said he's an old friend of yours, Dr. Anthony Ludgate. That name immediately made me go, oh, Anthony Ludgate, who's that? Dr. Druid, uh, who was also oh, a, okay. uh, yeah. a former sorcerer. Because, uh, see, so, you would know that stuff, but I have to go yeah. straight to my phone and be like, okay, yeah. who's this? Um, the the back back part of the book, which is uh, a fantastic battle between Strange and a, a re a reimagined, reinvigorated Wrecker, a classic Thor villain, um, uh, is is really brilliant. Um, he's pretty cool, isn't he's, he? He's yeah. he's pretty cool. He's he's powered up somehow or other, um, and uh, it doesn't end well for the good Doctor. No, um, love that part at the end. Love yeah. the last image. The the cover, my cover, uh, which. Maybe isn't as flashy as your fancy horizontal <laughs> cover. Um, you know me; I'm all about the flash. Is uh, it's a beautifully put together cover. One half is Doctor Strange in his Sorcerer Supreme garb; the other is, is Doctor Strange in his uh, Surgeon Supreme garb. Um, but this is a Phil Noto cover. This is oh, you yeah. remember we t- Phil Noto was the artist on Cable, yeah, the upcoming mm-hmm. Cable book, which I think you thought was talked a about beautiful talked cover, about yeah. last week, didn't we? Yeah, exactly. We talked about on our. Our last release, which was... Previews. Previews, Previews. which is just before this one in the lineup. Yep. Please check it out. 
Indeed. So that was Doctor Strange, uh, Surgeon Supreme, number one. Is that going to tie in, do you think, to the Strange Academy? Any seeds being don't, set up for that? Don't now? know enough about the Strange Academy to, yeah. to say, but um, I mean, I'd like to hope Mark Wade has has had his hands on Doctor Strange now for quite some time and he's laid down some really good work. Um, so I really, I hope it does. I hope they, they stick with the, the rules eh? and the, like magic has a price, you know? So yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, it'll tie in us in the character, but we'll see what, we'll see what happens. Cool. I mean, obviously we're, we're talking about sort of future Marvel, um, releases for 2020 and in a way they released a little preview of all kinds of stuff coming up in 2020. They, they really did uh, a little preview with a lovely, uh, cardstock cover. Um, oh, is that is that a really nice variant that I sorted out for that you? That is after, a really nice variant that you sorted out After giving me dirty me. looks yeah, for your, yeah. your Del Auto <laughs> list. Well, I, I mean, I'm only joking because, as you know, I'm mostly a cover A guy. Uh, but uh, this was just a lovely a lovely variant uh, cover that uh, you gave me. And that's by... Who was the artist on that lovely variant cover? Was that John Tyler Christopher, was it? No. Jorge Molina, I ah. believe, yeah. Uh, it's a variety of the Marvel superheroes with uh, wearing the Eternity mask. So, this sort of this is incoming. It's a it's a massive it's a massive forty eight pager, uh, maybe more than forty eight pages. Is it? I think that's an eighty pager. It's an eighty pager. It's yeah, a chunky one. I think so. It's about the size um, of Marvel one thousand. Uh, and whenever you mention Marvel one thousand, this sort of picks up uh, from Marvel one thousand. The core story of Marvel one thousand was the the Mask Raider and the Eternity mask, yeah. uh, and that's what bookends this story. Uh, so effectively what it is, is, uh, as, uh, the title suggests, it's what's incoming for Marvel, what we can sort of expect in 2020, but it's couched, it's couched within a story rather than just a previews yeah. for what, you know, so, and I think that's really something similar to Marvel Legacy. Remember when it came out? Yeah, maybe something similar to that, but Legacy was nearly a, it was a bannerhead. It was a relaunch, a, a soft reboot. Yeah. Uh, whereas this is not that, um, this is just sort of a. So we're uh, we're previewing a little uh, a little uh, the, the 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 story that it's it's couched against is that an individual has been murdered. It's a locked room mystery, um, and the masked raider who was introduced by Al Ewing in Marvel one thousand one thousand one, the wearer of the Eternity mask, which is uh, a it's a fragment of uh, woven from the living soul of the cosmos, uh, you know, and it. It makes the wearer equal to anyone they're up against. It allows that wearer to mimic that individual's powers. It brings them up to the strength level of the strongest person in the room. You know, all of those sorts of things. So um, so we see in this case the Masked Raider is close to Daredevil and, and Electra. So he starts to, he feels himself getting stronger and he develops Matt's radar sense. Um, those sorts of things. But anyway, and it, it, it allows him to, um, the wearer to understand the connective tissue of the universe and see links between things. But in this case, this individual, uh, the Master Raider, discovers uh, a murder in a locked room, and that's what this is all about. As the Master Raider passes this passes passes this mystery on to Elektra and Daredevil, uh, and you know, realizing that maybe uh, Daredevil realizing that maybe he's not up to solving it, uh, calls in Jessica Jones. You know, he he discovers something, she discovers something. And slowly but surely, uh, through Jessica passing it on to uh, Captain Marvel, she she discovers a, a clue that seems to implicate Captain Marvel. Uh, so we, 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 we look at what's coming in, in the new Jessica Jones series. We look at what's coming maybe in the new Captain Marvel series. And then it's passed on to 
the Avengers, who pass it on to uh, Blue Marble, who passes it on to the Agents of Atlas, you know, and so forth and so on. Um, you know, right the way, right the way on through. Who else do we hit up? The Champions, and uh, we we touch upon the Immortal Hulk and what's happening with the Immortal Hulk. Um, and Ghost Rider, uh, what's happening in the Ghost Rider series? So, and then of course we uh, we find uh, Null, the uh, the symbiote god, absolutely uh, raving and destroying a planet as he moves slowly towards Earth. Um, a lovely mysterious shot of uh, Eddie's son Dylan, and uh, you know he seems to be in touch with the the god of the symbiote. So there's stuff that's. Uh, clicking into stuff that we're reading here with, yeah. you know so uh, and uh, the two Spider-Man Miles and, and Peter and uh, and then we seem to be moving towards um, Hulkling and Wiccan and uh, they seem this seems to be the crux of what we've what we've seen in the previews books this past week for March which is the Road to Empire E-M-P-Y-R-E which is Marvel's big spring event uh, which and we oh we 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 uh, segue into uh, Bar Sinister on Krakoa, so into the Power of X, House of X, Don of X stuff, and into the Fantastic Four. But it, it's teasing all of these things. It's teasing all of these things. Um, Iron Man twenty twenty, um, uh, Jane Foster, everything, everything. But it, it's a great it's a great wee mystery story. But um, it really does it leads into uh, or suggests that Empire, this Empire, is the is the mm. crux of all things, so it ends with coming in April 2020, Empire. Cool. And the crux of that seems to be that, finally, and for the first time in history, the Cree people and the Skrull people have united as the Empire, um, uh, the Alliance, and that does not spell good things for anybody else in the universe, I don't think. Um, but, you know, at the end, we have the, you know, these, the mass reader will return in, Daredevil will return in, Jessica Jones, yeah, you know, a bit of a so everybody that everybody that pitched in to this book, we see whether where they're go, where they're going to be found in in twenty twenty, and there's you know two pages of interesting. This yeah, do so you feel it was successful in sort of giving you a teaser? I um, felt that hmm. this was more successful than Marvel one thousand and Marvel one thousand one mm. were um, similarly formatted, um, but I think that this was much more successful. This is a this is a really lovely way of teasing what's coming in the year. Yeah, uh, it's a really because it's, it's not. It's not a. They don't do it annually, do they? I think this is the first. The first. There's certainly the most. The first, maybe the most effective time I've seen it. It's just you know the fact that it's couched in a story. It's mm -hmm. an actual story, yeah. but then at the end you're suddenly going, oh, well, you know what? I'm kind of interested in that now. I might <laughs> pick up Captain Marvel for the first time ever. Um, <laughs> you know, so that's you know what I mean. There's some good stuff in there. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Lovely. Mm. So, incoming number one rounds off our December 26th releases. Um, I mean, as if we didn't talk enough about Marvel and its uh, <coughs> catalogue there, we're going to be moving on to the January 2nd releases. Was that a, was that a Marvel Queen's clean sweep for 26th? The, there was no DC titles released on the 26th. I suppose that's an easy way to do it. That's uh, that's a default win. Like you don't you don't want to celebrate that, <laughs> um, do you? I mean, <laughs> like, the thing yeah. is, <laughs> so no yeah. clean sweep for you. I mean, the thing is, if you just had a waited two minutes <laughs> till we hit January second, there's a proper clean sweep. Is there in effect? Yeah. Oh. Um, 
Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, so we'll be moving on then to January 2nd, which will bring us right up to, up to date with the most recent releases. Uh, again, we'll just, we've picked out one of each. Um, this section won't be quite as long with honourable mentions because uh, Keith's still reading a wee bit, I'm still reading a wee bit. We're not 100% caught up, but we definitely have picked out our favourite titles so far. So uh, we're going to kick things off with Keelan. I, I think you, for the most part we're in some sort of accord here with regard to the fact that everybody likes everybody else's pick. Yeah, very well, much. I haven't read two of them, but... Yeah, I think it's. I think that's a, a fair statement simply because Keith and I have argued over who gets to pick yeah, which title. I, I mean, I could have <laughs> picked Roddy's as well. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Roddy, Roddy and I have just watched mum and dad fight all day. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the mother in this scenario, yeah. more to the point? Well, Roddy drove me home, so it doesn't matter what I say here. So. <laughs> uh, the only one of these four that I haven't read yet is is your pick, Kellen, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. It's next on my list. And don't worry, you're not going to spoil anything because, you know, Right. Spoil away. That puts me in a wrong position. <laughs> uh, yes, so my pick is Charles Soul issue one of Star Wars. So Marvel have relaunched Star Wars, picking up uh, at just after one of the most iconic moments in the entire saga, whether you view the saga as nine movies or three movies with a lot of spin-offs. And it starts, it starts off with Luke Skywalker's hand being chopped off. It's, it's, it's literally the first page. Who? Luke Skywalker. Oh. Yeah. That guy. Central to the whole plot. Uh, yeah. The, I'm not going to spoil it because it was really good and it is, as it was a couple of busy weeks, people might not have got around to reading it. You know, those people with 40, 40 issue pull lists per week. Who would do that? Um, but this was a great issue. It explored a few different relationships. The main crux of it is Luke's reaction to the big reveal that Vader is his father. Uh, it shows how Luke copes with it, the denial, his anger, especially the last couple of pages actually ties into, just artistically at least, a nice little moment from Charles's Vader story, where Vader's anger gets the better of him once he realises who exactly that young Jedi was on the Death Star. Uh, when Boba Fett reveals his name, Vader shatters a window on a Star Destroyer, and this, Luke's anger gets the better of him and he cracks the window on the... Uh, I think it's the Falcon he's on, or else it's the Home One capital ship. But it's it's just a nice symmetry that Luke is Vader's son. He has the Force. He gets angry. I think this series is going to maybe explore a little bit of what was hinted at in the new movies, particularly in The Last Jedi. That I'm just very wary that I'm sitting beside Alan and mentioning that movie, that Luke maybe wasn't this perfect little golden boy that people did believe him to be, that he was susceptible to the dark. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see where that goes. Uh, the other plot is it deals with Lando and how between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, Lando had become a general in the, re- in the rebellion, even though he sold out Han Solo to Boba Fett and the Huts and Vader. He sold them out to Vader. He might have rescued them, but that doesn't totally redeem him. And it deals with Leia's reaction to him. Leia didn't know Lando, so she doesn't have the trust that Han had. Uh, from Leia's point of view, Lando swooped in, sold uh, sold Han to Boba Fett, and has now taken the Falcon. Chewie and Lando's relationship's a bit more sturdy from what we know from Solo, but Chewie's obviously quite peeved in that peaceful Wookiee way <laughs> that Han's uh, a big ice cube. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, it was great. Just 
I I really enjoyed the art's a little bit different. Than what uh, Jesus says, isn't it? His, it's yeah. very, it's amazing. It, it really is, is gorgeous, art. but it is so, like it's photorealistic or something. It's like it, it's watching very close them. Photorealistic. It's yeah, he's captured them. Really. They do look uh, different enough that. But it's it's he's caught he's got Carrie Fisher. Perfectly. Yeah, to me, like it's like. I don't want to say unsettling, but there's something about it. They're like, uh, uh, this is kind of weird to look at. Jesus Sayers did all of the covers for Mark Wade's last run on Doctor Strange, strangely enough. Ah, uh, given that that was the last uh, book we were we were chatting about, and his his covers are gorgeous, just yeah. fantastic. Um, he he. He yeah. draws a very real face. He does, <laughs> but he does. no, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's bad. It's just it's it took a while to get used to, you know. Yeah, um, but the first three four pages are just beautiful. It's just showing it. It follows Luke's hand as it falls down that um, chasm in Aspen. But I'm very excited to see where this goes. Uh, oh, that's gonna... fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, uh, very good. Really getting a real kick of Star Wars fandom coming over for me again. Mm-hmm. Maybe a wee bit late with Rise of Skywalker finishing everything, but uh, no, I'm really excited to see where this goes. And I love Charles Soule's Vader stuff. And it's all canon, which mm-hmm. is great. Um, Kieran Gillen did a Star Wars uh, Vader series as well, and there is another Vader series come out too. Kieran Gillen's was fantastic. Yeah. That it was Kieran Gillen, sorry, that was the Vader shattering the window. Yeah. Um I wonder would Jesus Sayas draw the same scene with the Emperor and Return of the Jedi and then we could figure out how the hell he's back in uh in Rise of Skywalker. Apparently the Emperor's return was clarified in the Star Wars expansion for the Fortnite game. I don't Yes. Know how to describe yes, people's Keith. disappointed looks. We're that old. <laughs> no, put it in a comic, put it in a short TV show, don't put it in Fortnite. Well, it's understandable they would well, put it in Fortnite. Your brother doesn't play Fortnite. They, you would understand that to a degree because Star Wars is for kids at its base level. Yeah, but I'm reading Star Wars, so it's for me. Is Fortnite <laughs> not for like teenagers? Is Fortnite shouldn't no. be for anyone because it's terrible. Is it? What's I've Fortnite? <laughs> He's a video yeah. game. I'm playing Resident Evil 7 at the moment. It's terrifying. So I thought yeah. Resident Evil 7, the first two hours were terrifying, and uh, after that, I haven't it was got very semi. I haven't see, got beyond see, the first You two switched hours. it off and left it on the pause menu? No, the, the first um, two hours, from what I can remember, was where you're recreating the um, contents of the videotape. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's really yeah, yeah, yeah. unsettling and really creepy. I think just once the family's re- not to go off on a massive tangent. Yeah. <laughs> well, I no, think I, once I the family are revealed in it. I yeah. think it loses it a little bit. Plus, Resident Evil should not be first person, if you ask me. But mm. it's a bit weird. Uh, and anyway. back in the room. Yeah. Um, so Star Wars. Back in the room. <laughs> so, and, uh, uh, Star Wars number one, great starting point to what is looking to set up to be a great series. Did you pick up the uh, the book that preceded this, which was Star Wars Saga, uh, which no. uh, summarized the entire what has gone before in the Star Wars books and uh, yeah the uh, so all of the the Jason Aaron stuff mm. the Kieran Gillen stuff the Charles Soule the previous Charles Soule stuff all of that um, oh. it, I, I don't know do you have any copies left in the store uh, yeah got a couple left I think mm. yeah. it's, it's almost like stuff. a little primer for it so. it is a, that's exactly what it is it's a primer on the saga but it, it is a Star Wars book so there is an opening crawl 
to get to get you up to speed. But it's, a, it's all right. All I'll do is I'll go in tomorrow, find a Superman sticker, put it on the outside of the bag for the Star Wars saga book, and then it has both no, Star, okay. Wars an an Star Wars and an S. Two yeses, three yeses. Yeah. Exactly. So well, you Darth know, Vader's in Star Wars. Why? Because why would I need Superman? To he he can resist that. You know? yeah, anyway. Anyway. Um, so yeah, that was Star Wars number one, and. Uh, was Kalen's pick, so we're on to another Marvel title with Mr. McCants. Hello. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go, yeah, a rare, not even a rare at this point, Marvel title. Um, but, uh, sorry, Indy. I've let let the team down you here, have, I mean, I? especially yeah. in the week where Philadelphia number two yeah. was lost. Well, well, we're going to get into honorable mentions after, Alan. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I just thought, this this title, um, Matthew Rosenberg, Otto Schmidt, Hawkeye, Freefall, again, got it on the recommendation of the folks around the table. That's what comics and friends are for, just telling you what's good and what looks cool. Um, I really like Matthew Rosenberg's indie stuff. I've never really read much of his Marvel work, and I love Otto Schmidt's work. Um, so this one starts off we are reintroduced to hawkeye and he's he basically infiltrates uh this warehouse where a deal's going down and he seems to he's too cool for his boots isn't he he thinks he's he thinks he's king he's overconfident yeah uh he basically tries to tries to one up the the hood who's the villain the one of the villains in this piece and he ends up getting in trouble and winds up getting the hood arrested and then basically goes to jail to follow him and i don't know this this relationship is very weird he's very very arrogant very cocky um he the hood basically ends up getting off because of the corrupt justice system um and then not content with that obviously hawkeye um, well, there's a wee nod here to um some of the stuff that's going on in Daredevil, uh, you yeah. know, because Kingpin is in fact the mayor that is referred to in this. Yeah. And uh, the Hood is one of uh, Kingpin's former contemporaries. Oh, yes. Um, but yeah, uh, so Hawkeye gets in the car and yeah, the Hood tells him, basically tells him to go, to go. Well, they, they, there, there, there definitely is, uh, seems to be some sort of uh, not maybe not mutual respect because the, the hood isn't getting a lot of respect from Hawkeye, but it's pre-existing the, relationship. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. in some ways, the two of them are both the uh, in their relative fields are the never quite made it. The mm-hmm. uh, you know Hawkeye was an Avenger, but he doesn't have any doesn't have any superpowers. No, that's you know, he says that to him, doesn't he? Yeah. He's like the. Uh, he said, uh, the hood sort of slags him off and he was like, you were an Avenger, right? And Hawkeye's like, still am. And the hood's like, I don't think that's true. In the same way that Parker Robbins, the hood has, you know, he's got this this, this demonic cape. Um, he's done a deal with, with a demon. Uh, but he's never quite got the respect from the criminal fraternity mm-hmm. that he yeah. feels he deserves in the same way as Hawkeye has never quite got the respect from the superhero community that he feels he deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the, that, I think that's the, the, the merry-go-round there um, with these two. Um, yeah. Um, 
really nice um you get a glimpse of the hood and his demonic form um i really love the the back and forth between them is really really good and i think there is no book that has been released in the last wee while where the dialogue just quite the patter is up to the scratch of this i think this is what really i think rosenberg's writing of dialogue and patter it yeah. really knocks it up another notch um the arts the arts fantastic otto schmidt's arts fantastic but i think the character i think the way that that matthew rosenberg handles this character uh handles his speech patterns and the the snarky back and forth between uh everybody and everybody else um even the even the exchanges between Hawkeye and the Winter Soldier and um, Falcon when they arrive later on. Um, <laughs> just really, really fantastic. Uh, very, very, very good indeed. Yeah, I feel I feel bad for the letterer, uh, Joe Sabino, because he had to do uh, about, is that seven smooches? There's, like, <laughs> there's, a, there's a panel where there's a, a page where it goes, basically, uh, what do you call the name of... Uh, his lover the night nurse the night nurse uh so hawkeye's in bed with the night nurse and then <coughs> you know he go he goes to turn off the lights and then it's just like five black panels with smooch 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 on it it's quite funny but that's part yeah. of the the, <laughs> the, the charm great of dialogue of it you know it's like they're getting into bed and she's like oh you're gonna keep me warm all night cowboy and he says no but i'll keep you warm for a few minutes then i'll probably roll over and snore yeah. <laughs> and she's like i'll take it and then you get this sort of smooch, smooch, and you have like the thought process and Clint's head where he's like, don't do it. Seriously, Seriously don't. don't do it. And then in the blackness, he's like, you know what bothers me about this hood thing? And then it's like, <laughs> idiot. You know, it's, it's as, as Keith says, the, um, the dialogue, as well as the dialogue, even the descriptions and stuff, like, you know, at the top, setting this scene two hours later, a bathroom that has never been as clean as it is now. But it, it's every one of the scenes is set that way. One yeah. of New York's many sketchy warehouses. <laughs> you know, um, Later, the most boring place in New York City. You know, talking about the courtroom. It's just really excellently done. And, uh, getting inside Clint's head a wee bit is, is fun as well. Clint, you have got to let this go. I know. And he puts up the scouts on her saying, uh, no, seriously, you dwell on stuff. Let this go. You're right. I will. I think that's that's what makes it for me. Because if you didn't have that, you'd be like, "This guy is a massive asshole." Yeah. But it's yeah. his, his own sense of security, his own. Uh, he, there's a there's a self awareness about him, but mm -hmm. still, he can't he can't uh, he can't help but tripping himself up like, right, yeah, and his and anything he's doing here. Um, but yeah, um, book continues. Uh, there's two federal agents cut away to the creepiest stretch of the West Side Highway inward. Um, and then, excuse me, the two agents are attacked by Ronan, mm. uh, which is significant because Ronan was a former uh, alias of Clint Barton. Yes. Okay. Which leads us on to uh, Clint is having a coffee in a staggeringly overpriced cafe. <laughs> so, uh, it's brilliant. Yeah. And he's visited by uh, Bucky and Falcon, obviously a... Nice team up there. Two former Captain yeah. Americas. And yeah. there is a title coming up soon, actually, Falcon and Winter Soldier, so I wonder if it'll... Maybe it's um, a There is a TV show coming up soon. That is also Winter Soldier, true. yeah. Mm. So obviously they are uh, quite suspicious of this man, as they believe the run-in that hit the two FBI agents last night was Clint Barton. Which is a wee they question bit... They question a bit, I, bit, I was bit of a dick move, questioning. Yeah, I, I, I was kind of a wee bit uh, aggrieved for him. <laughs> I was like, lads, what are you doing? This is hockey. Yeah. 
you know, I just yeah, yeah, and um, I, you know, it's um, yeah. I won't go. I won't go further than that because I would really advise yeah, you. It's the same continuity. Yeah. So is this also the Hawkeye that was on trial for murdering Bruce Banner? Yeah. So is that maybe where the distrust came from? Or was that all cleared up? That that was all it was all cleared up because right. I mean at the end of the day it was a trial for murdering Bruce Banner because Bruce Banner asked him to murder him. Um Water under the bridge. What? Now now in fairness they do ask, was it you? And he does say, Screw you for even asking me that, Buck. And then Falcon tries to say, Then you wouldn't mind if we go to your place and Bucky jumps straight and goes, Sam, if he says it wasn't him, that's good enough. <laughs> Besides, this guy was in way better shape than Clint. And they can't help but get a wee jab in at him as well. So, yeah, they just have to ask the question, I suppose. Well, that, that, that was part of the, 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 the witty dialogue. You know, this dude was in way better shape than Clint. No offense. And in, the, in, in Clint's inward purple dialogue, he's like, fuck you. Not taken. <laughs> but there's even links in this back to um, one, of my, one of my favorite, easily my favorite Hawkeye run, but one of my favorite Marvel runs, which my fraction did where Clint owned a building. And he had to protect that building. And there's a part here where they're saying, you know, stop being pissy about some eggs. We need to talk. He's like, no, you need to talk. I need to eat breakfast. Sam, get him another omelet. Damn, that was a $20 omelet. <laughs> <laughs> Gentrification's a bitch. And then he's like, don't you own a whole building in this neighborhood? Like, so just little things like that. Yeah. The last, yeah, okay, call back series. really nicely. Um, any, any thoughts on who might be under the Ronan mask? No, I haven't. I, the you. only person I can think of, and I can't think of the character's name, but do you remember in that Matt Fraction Hawkeye run, there was an assassin that came from the other side of the world, had a little teardrop clown type, a sort of white face paint, a little teardrop. Oh, yeah. Was really well trained, and he might hold a grudge against Clint. That's the only person I can think of, but I can't remember the character. Uh, I can't remember the character's name either. It's someone. Hold on, who... allow me to grab my rather large Hawkeye. Uh, I love the way I just keep producing books here, just from yeah, my Alan, uh, I love it because they keep getting handed to me. Yeah, not 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 a visual medium, but Alan keeps reaching below the table and pulling <laughs> out uh, hardbacks of books that we're talking about. Um, um, yeah, I don't know how he doesn't. <laughs> uh, it's someone whoever's behind that mask is someone who can uh, take on two former Captain Americas and uh, Hawkeye to boot, who was also one of the characters who was supposed to, who was on the line to. To wield the shield after uh, after Cap was assassinated, so effectively two former Captain Americas and someone who was trained in hand to hand combat by Captain, by Captain America. <laughs> Could it be Captain America? Hmm. No, but yeah, um, one of five really cool introduction to a character who I've never read anything by, and I'm liking all these Marvel books that I'm sort of picking up and going, okay, there's a lot, of obviously, massive amount of history here. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, Hawkeye has been and remains one of my favorite characters, not just because of the Fraction run, but um, because he was always the underdog. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he was one of, uh, originally back in the day, was one of the second lineup of the Avengers and Cap's Cookie Quartet, uh, alongside Cap and... Um, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Okay. Uh, he has a history of being a villain. He was he was effectively a villain before he was an Avenger, um, and he's had a long and storied history. He vied with Cap. He always thought, in that arrogant way that the Hawkeye does, he always thought that he should be the leader of the Avengers, not Captain America. Um, right. You know, <laughs> uh, he's he's a great character, he's... and he did eventually. Uh, he 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 ended up uh, leaving the Avengers behind and. Uh, as a former villain, he ended up taking over one of my favorite ever Marvel teams, which was the Thunderbolts. He took their lead once Baron Zemo left, but he did so 
uh, under threat of going to prison himself and all sorts of. He's a he's a great character. He's a great character. He's he is like um, in some ways he he's like Batman in the Justice League in that he's an unpowered character uh, amongst gods. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yet he holds his own uh, as someone who's just a really really good shot and has a smart mouth. <laughs> For posterity's sake, that character's name was Kazu. So there you are. So there's my uh, guess. I hope I haven't spoiled the entire story. Uh, so it's a fair guess. <laughs> but there is a part, yeah, I mean, as, as Keith was saying with Hawkeye, I mean, that run by Matt Fraction and David Aja alone is one of the best things you will ever read. He's he's referred to it in it as Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he owns a building and he essentially is just protecting the tenants of that building from local mobsters. That's the whole crux of the story. But it is absolutely brilliant. Kate Bishop's in it as well. And I think I've talked about it before, but there's an entire issue from the point of view of his dog, Lucky. The entire <laughs> issue is from the dog's point of view. It is phenomenal. Um, and Hawkeye is he's very much uh, the community Avenger. He's very much street level. Uh, he's all about, I mean, that building that he, he owns, he was the owner, he was the caretaker, he looked after the people there whenever the building was invaded by drug dealers or been invaded by Russian mobsters. Uh, and that's what he's talking about in there, you know, but that's, he's, he's very much that community level Avenger. In fact, the last book that Hawkeye starred in, um, what was it called? But it was very much, uh, an all new Hawkeye. No, no. Occupy Avengers. Um, and it was Hawkeye and Red Wolf and a bunch of heroes just effectively doing the A-team thing, driving around the country, just (laughs) helping people. Uh, you know, it was, it was, yeah. So he's, he's very much that, that social activist, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, after the yeah. mobsters like invade the tenement building and stuff, like he'll be the guy putting up a door, you know, to fix the door that mm-hmm. got broken. You know, he's not as as Keith said, he's very much the community guy. So, um, yeah, no, very very strong start with Hawkeye Freefall. I remember I I texted you guys after I'd read it, and I was just like, look, just big smile on my face the whole way through. Yeah, um, just a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, perfect start for what I believe is a five issue mini series. Yeah, good shout, Roddy. So, yeah, that is Hawkeye Freefall. Um, so, yeah, we have two Marvel books to finish with. Uh, Keith and I keep crisscrossing on which one is my choice and which one is his choice. I think given uh, my love of the predecessor to uh, one of the particular books we're talking about, that you should probably take it. Uh, a passing of the torch, shall we say. <laughs> oh, a, passing, a passing of the hammer. Dun, dun, I thought dun, dun, you were going to say a passing of the torch. <laughs> no, oh, no, that was all no, you. He was uh, definitely not going to no, say. No, he's, he's taking it back for it's that. A bit he's too taking close it back. To forge that one, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, well, fair enough. I will take point on this then. Um, obviously, Keith spoke very eloquently and you know in great detail about King Thor earlier, which was the end of the seven issue, uh, seven issue, seven year run <laughs> by uh, Jason Aaron. <coughs> um, so Thor is now being taken over by Donny Cates, uh, he of Venom, Silver Surfer Black, Death of the Inhumans, um, Guardians of the Galaxy. I personally think that Donny Cates is Marvel's rock and roll writer. You know, he's, he's pretty much a superstar writer. Jason Aaron to me is a very quiet, dignified writer. Jason Aaron, Jason Aaron is Marvel's metal writer. Donny Cates could be rock and roll. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um... So Donny Cates has taken over with uh, artist Nick Klein on Thor. And I jumped into this, uh, as we've spoke about before. I read Keen Thor, and I'm going back now through the complete collections of Thor and reading it. So I was curious to jump into this as sort of, 
you know, I, I'm not obviously as well uh, versed in it or know it as in, in as much detail as Keith does, but I wanted to jump into this and see how it held up for a new reader. And I have to say, I was blown away by this issue. Um, I immediately texted everyone again, just going like, fucking hell, that was great. Um, um, it was interesting because you were a wee bit concerned that that I might not have... There was a part of me slightly worried that Keith might not like it so much, simply because... You know, Thor is very much the star still of the of the book, but it almost is like a team book in a in a weird way. Um, it's a book that brought in other facets of the Donny Cates sort of corner of the Marvel universe. Silver Surfer Black's in here. The Guardians are in here. Cosmic Ghost Riders in here. And there was a part of me thought that I wonder if Keith's going like this. It's a little bit of a move <laughs> away from that classic storytelling, yeah. especially were, given how Keen Thor ended. You're very overprotective of him. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just, I love this as well. I, I just didn't want him to be disappointed. Yeah. I mean, but then again, I should have known better because given that page two and three of it is an introduction of all 10 realms mm-hmm. as the hammer flies through it. Um, but this just summed up Donny Cates having a good sense of humor as well because the hammer goes through all 10 realms, destroying a monster in Midgard along the way. And then um, it lands in front of the Avengers and Tony Stark's like, anyone have a Sharpie? That was class. Um, yeah. And. It, uh, he ends up calling the hammer back and he's like, ah, that was, is there anything else in the realms that requires Thor's attention? You know, he's clearly restless. He's clearly a little bored um, because this is coming off the back of King Thor, which he is semi-retired. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the 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 Thor run finished with the end of the Thor run and King Thor was the four issues that chronicled the eight, not... Uh, well, the end of Thor's story at the end of the universe, yeah. whereas at the end of uh, Aaron's run, it was left that Thor was Thor had been given the throne of Asgard yeah. by his father, who had finally come out of himself and demonstrated how proud he was of his son. Um, and here we find Thor now, the king of Asgard, and a bit a bit bored yeah he's throwing a hammer a, across a bit bored but still trying to impress people and still trying to prove that he's worthy you know he straight away when the hammer comes back he's like did did, did thou see that lady sif he's still trying to impress people and yeah. be like oh you know all 10 realms one throw not even odin himself could have made that. <laughs> she's great yes thor it was a very, very good, good shot, shot. <laughs> aye that it was is there anything else in the realms that requires thor's attention mayhap a frost giant in need of smiting it feels like ages since i've smote a uh, my lord the bifrost is now under my protection lady sif is now taken over from heimdall who yeah. is sadly gone and was taken to the afterlife by our uh, our Valkyrie Jane Foster uh, in issue two of her own book. Um, I'm afraid uh, your smiting days are over. I have my job, Thor. Quit hiding from yours. Go, be king. And then that's when he turns the hammer over, and you see what Tony wanted the uh, the sharpie for. It just says, "Nice shot. Enjoy your retirement." <laughs> but it is. How can you not love Tony Stark? <sighs> well, I mean, even Donny Cates can make uh, the worst characters good. Um, but what's interesting of it is as well, it, I think this is going to be a really interesting exploration of what happens when you attain your goals. You know, as as Lady Sif says to him, try not to be so dour about it, my leech. Becoming the king of Asgard is, after all, what you've wanted since you were a child. And he's like, yes, now that I have it, but what is a king to a god? Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be a really interesting... Um, you know, look at the difference between the pursuit of goals and the achievement of your goals. And mm-hmm. I think that's really, really interesting as well. 
Um, of course, we get what is now becoming the most in fashion thing in comics at the moment of having the title across two pages, like a movie. Um, the Devour, King Part One, The Black Winter. Um, there, there's a the the end of Thor left Loki as the god the the king of the frost giants. Mm-hmm. So his his brother, um, the god of mischief, um, god of lies, and the god of stories, as Kieran Gillen uh, christened him, um, is the is the king of the frost giants. Uh, so this is Loki as well, who was in his own series. There's god of stories. And yeah, on that yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. So quite uh, quite funny because he also kind of brotherly way obviously not genetic brothers but they're also both become king and are both well that's it and now they, well now they have now they it's have like to we both have what you want yeah, yeah, we yeah, out of our minds. yeah and you know Loki's come to greet Thor and he's like uh, Thor's like I'm the king here I'm I'm, I'm the, the Odin son I am the all father you'll bow to me whenever you come and see me in my court and don't be sneaking in through the back door again <laughs> um, but there's a wee moment here that I think is significant, yeah, um, and that is uh, Thor. Uh, Thor picks up Mjolnir, and as he picks up Mjolnir, he, he grunts, grunts a little bit, you yeah. know. And uh, uh, Loki goes, "Is it is it getting heavier then?" And Thor looks round, still one-eyed, uh, like his father before him, and he says, "Loki says, Mjolnir, I don't recall you ever." grunting when you used to pick it up so what is going on here well, that's it there's two interpretations there either one age is catching up to him or is he becoming less worthy and maybe that's why it's that's, becoming that's heavy. interesting you know especially in light of uh that scene that we just talked about in king thor where he leaves he leaves me on the throne and tries to pick it up every morning i mean is he is he surely he's not becoming less worthy surely that's not it that that's been dealt with you know just yeah. not dealt with that and uh, the unworthy Thor, <laughs> which was the three. <laughs> yeah, wrong. I don't know if you could go back to that. Yeah, could you? but I'll be interested to see. Interested to see what's happening there. Anyway, but yeah, the the story continues. You know, Thor is to uh, address um, address all the citizens of Asgard and all the rest, and then you have this great um, panel where he just says Odin's beard. He's looking at something, and then you get a beautiful sort of double page reveal where Galactus just crashes down. Missing an arm, missing a leg, destroys half of Asgard in the process. He really is a devourer of worlds, even unintentionally. Uh-huh. Um, but this is a beautiful double page spread. This is this is the moment. I already thought the art was great, but this is the moment I thought this this title's yeah. in really really yeah. safe hands. It's really going to convey the epic nature of the story. Um, Nick Klein and uh, Matthew Wilson from Folklords doing the colors as well nick klein i think this is the best looking book i've seen in a long time that's beautiful yeah it's um so obviously you know thor thinks that this is an attack from galactus and he's about to attack you know he he jumps up you know mjolnir in hand galactus you dare you know he's about to bring the thunder and then galactus is just probably in a state that you've never seen him before he's just looking there beaten pathetic he's like stop i i came for help you know the great black winter it is it is coming um winter is coming I, that's the only thing when i read yeah. that i yeah. was like okay donnie you've just added one extra word there i mean it's you know you're, you're showing your influences but uh yeah so it all continues from there i mean basically you know galactus is afraid of a threat even bigger than himself um but what's really cool about this is a as i was saying before it starts to tie in donnie kitts's other titles so you have cosmic ghost rider there you have silver surfer or kind of the black surfer now as he is given the events of silver surfer black um 
Yeah, I was just really, really, really blown away by this book. Um, I really enjoyed the little essay at the back of it as well by Donny Cates because it was kind of interesting where he's saying, like, you know, when you write comics for a living, you maybe lose some of the joy of discovery and, you know, what's going on behind the scenes and all that kind of thing. But he does say that he's always looked to Thor for the magic. Um, so I thought that was maybe interesting because it mirrors what Thor's going through. Maybe yeah. he's feeling he's got his goals of writing for Marvel and all. Yeah. So maybe the feeling is quite quite real for Thor and <laughs> Thor and him. Maybe he's got like a real a real sort of depth he can bring to the character. Yeah. No, it was uh just a great, great first issue, I thought. Great for new readers. Yeah, um, I came into this. I haven't read any of Jason Aaron's Thor. I'm dodging Keith's, Keith's eye right now. But I love this. Um, it was enough that I want to go back and read some of the stuff that was hinted at, but also I don't feel that I'm lost at all. I have I know what, well, I know what uh, Donny Keith wants us to know. Yeah. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean it's 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 great. The art, I, the art's beautiful, like Roger uh, said. It's one of the best looking books. And the you know the the the, the crux of it, the, the surfer knows of these these uh, is it four secret words, five five secret words that he has always kept from Galactus because he knows that effectively they're, they're pet pills for Galactus. <laughs> you know they're 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 they they'll give Galactus what he needs to defeat the Star Plague. You know in that moment where. Silver Surfer projects the star clusters and the words between his hands, you know. And again, that that goes back to the Silver Surfer's origins. He was always he's always been a well, he's been a herald of Galactus since the early days of the Fantastic Four and before, you know. Uh, but he's never been a willing herald of Galactus. He's always kept something to himself and always yeah. always uh, not led Galactus to the words that would most sate him sate his his hunger but led him to the worlds that are safest that are going to preserve the most people mm-hmm. um and that that's always been silver surfer's great curse you know that yeah yeah it's re- really good <laughs> it's really good um and one of my worries was of course that in the previews we saw that you know how thor looked on the cover of this book we see how thor looks relative to how uh jason Aaron left him you know, uh, Jason Aaron left him one-eyed and one-armed. Um, <clears throat> and I was a wee bit concerned, if you remember, whenever we first yeah. saw those previews, that maybe Donny Cates was just going to roll over this. But they very nicely explained the change in appearance um, by the end of the book. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Really enjoyed this. As Roddy says, it's a fantastic-looking book. Um, it's a lovely book. Conveys an epic scale as well. Yeah, we, we great. delve a wee bit into... Uh, Galactus's past, Galen's past, um, how he came to be, who, how he is, which is all covered in Mark Wade's uh, history of the Marvel Universe. Ah, um, cool. You know, so so uh, we think the Black Winter is null uh, maybe, or related to him. Certainly, just because Donny Cates is writing it and it's black. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think they're they're positioning Null very much as the villain of the piece of Venom. So mm-hmm. I don't think it would be a case of. Oh, and on his way to Earth, he's just going to take care of Asgard. You know, uh, yeah. yeah, maybe that. I, I don't. I think they're doing more than positioning Null as the big bad and Venom. I think we're it's looking. I think once. It could be a Galactus yeah, level I think we're looking at maybe the big summer. I mean, the spring event is this Empire. Whether it ties into that or whether we're looking further afield, mm-hmm. but I think I think we're looking at a big event with Null. 
I think Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman have gone right. We're, we're maybe not this year, but next year we're yeah. I mean that's that's why Stegman's uh, stepped away from Venom. Obviously, we you know we're we're unabashed fans of the Stegman podcast, um, and they were talking about how he stepped away. He is still drawing Eddie Brock, but he's not drawing Venom. That's why Mark Bagley's on it. Um, that's the same thing they did for Absolute Carnage when it had replacement artists during War of the Realms. Yeah, you like questions on You said he's not drawing Eddie Brock, but he's drawing No, he Venom. said he's drawing Eddie Brock, but he's not drawing the main Venom title. So it's obviously something oh, that okay, contains okay. Eddie. Yeah. I thought you meant in that issue. Like, <clears throat> what? Yeah, so is... Whatever, whatever is happening, these, these guys plot Venom and, yeah. and on the on the segment podcast, they've talked about how far in advance they, they were talking about Absolute Carnage and they were already going, well, Donny Cates was already going, I'm, I'm bored of this. This was like six months ago. Yeah. This, we're already on to the next like, thing, which oh, was Venom Island. Donny, you know? issue one just came out. He's like, <laughs> yeah, but I've known about all this stuff for six months. You know? <laughs> exactly. So I'm already on the next yeah, thing. So whatever Stegman's doing, he's working on the next thing. Yeah. You know, and Mike Bitt, Mark Bagley that is, next thing comes out, they'll be on the yeah, next thing Yeah, exactly. Again. So, yeah. Cool. So, yeah. Uh, living fully up to expectations. That was Thor number one. Donny Cates and Nick Klein and Matt Wilson. Um, so the other book that um, that I certainly would jump on board, really uh, enjoying Keith's choice here. You know, it seems like we're talking about one of these titles every week. And I'm really glad that we're talking about the core title uh, of uh, the possibly the for the X. first time, possibly for the first time, or certainly since the first issue. Yeah, uh, and that's X Men number four uh, by Hickman, and thankfully still Lionel Francis Yu. Yeah, it's, it's are you just looking at every issue thinking is this going to be the yeah, one? Yeah, I mean, I love I love his one? art. I love how his art has matured over the years. Um, still very much his style, but I think it suits this great. Um, uh, you has got a a habit of not sticking with books for very long. Uh, so I'm just sort of waiting, but I'm hoping what maybe Hickman has something over him. He's holding his family hostage or something. <laughs> You know, uh, things just took a dark turn. <laughs> I, I hope he, I hope he's not. I don't know if he's that way inclined. I'm tempted uh, to go on Twitter here and go and lean on you. It's just you know being held at gunpoint or something. Uh, so X Men number four. Um, we're looking at a a an economic uh, forum of nations, which uh, the uh, the representatives Krakoa have been invited to Davos in Switzerland in order to attend, uh, and they do so arriving in. In style, uh, the issue focuses on uh, Charles Xavier, Magneto, and Apocalypse as the, I guess they're the the diplomats, the the representatives here, while Cyclops and Gorgon uh, go along as the bodyguards. Um, yeah, that panel there where they're stepping off the plane is just fantastic. Yeah, it is. And it, and as much as they're the bodyguards, I like how it's Charles is right in the middle of all five. Well, like they're protecting him. It's only a month ago in this story since Charles was shot yeah. and killed um, in X Force. So X Force, X Force One, and I guess X Men One is now a month ago. So yeah, um, it's okay. He got better. He only died. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we did well. He did. He did get better. But but we we know we know why. If you've been reading X Men, uh, you know why. If you've read House of X, Powers of X, you know why. Um, not only has he got better, but he's now got a kick-ass sword made from the shattered pieces. Yes, that's right. Of the original that's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so uh, the 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 diplomats, three diplomats, uh, Charles, Magneto, and Apocalypse are are ushered into uh, a dinner uh, by by the other um, representatives. You know, and the hope is they're going to have free and fair discussion because, after all, what is dinner? But 
elevated conversation amongst friends. Well, that's uh, a great line. Mm, uh, mm. Meanwhile, uh, Gorgon and, and uh, Cyclops are remain outside with the, the door guards. Um, they're not allowed in, you know, uh, they're not allowed. To, uh, all of these representatives come along with protectors. None of the protectors are allowed into the room, you know. Um, I love that you get the menu. Yeah, the, the <laughs> one of the, the the World Economic Forum and one of the uh, the inset pages is the is the dinner menu from it and all of those who are in attendance. Oh, mushrooms, uh, Kalen. Oh, you're in trouble. No, nah, I'm a, I'm not. I'm not making peace with these mutants over mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it all starts off very, uh, all very mannerly and very cordial. Uh, and very yeah, cordial. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Uh, and uh, apart from Apocalypse, Apocalypse has taken no shit. Apocalypse uh, in a suit's just yeah, a crap. it is, it is. Um, <laughs> and uh, one of the representatives says, and thanks to you as well, uh, should I call you Ensaba or Mr. Nur, perhaps? I am Apocalypse. My other names are not fit for you to utter. <laughs> <laughs> Apocalypse it is then. Regardless, welcome. <laughs> you know, um, so they all uh, they all salute to peace and... and, and uh, and we are very quickly introduced to what looks like a strike force somewhere else in the building. Um, their mind shielded from Charles's uh, intrusion and detection. But um, a very subtle piece of storytelling here, I thought. In what way? With the this thing itches, and it's literally a moment that he scratches it. Yep. yep. And that's enough. Yeah, that's it. So the an individual, one of the the soldiers. Um, upsets the devices on their heads that are protecting them or shielding them from Charles's um, scans and while he's being served watermelon gazpacho infused with habanero and uh, gobiano chilies um, he thanks the waiter and then contacts mentally Scott and, and Gorgon and says there are two assault teams waiting to converge in our position. One is located on the floor above us the other the floor below. They're shielded again so that's all the help I can offer but be good boys and take care of them for me. <laughs> Um, no problem, sir. Consider it done. Uh, <laughs> you know. So, and then uh, previously having uh, having told the the door guard that they would be on their best mutant behaviour, uh, Scott turns round, still with his ruby red uh, glasses on, and says, "To him, I have bad news on the mutant good behaviour front, friend." <laughs> you know. But uh, the 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 conversation gets more. You know, the 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 conversation mirrors the uh, the upcoming conflict physical conflict between you know so the conversation between apocalypse magneto charles and the representatives mirrors the upcoming conflict physical conflict between scott and uh gorgon and the the strike teams uh and i really because it gets more and more heated as it goes on um and magneto really is the real uh the 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 three diplomats here all have very different characters magneto sort of takes the front at some stage and some of the stuff magneto comes out with some of the dialogue is unbelievable um you know they're talking about exactly how the uh krakoa has already destabilized world governments and the the has already destabilized how things are done has already destabilized economies pharmaceutical you know, companies the, exactly all of that sort of stuff and you know Magneto's being very to the point and, uh, you know, he says, you know, I very much believe in adaption. Uh, you might even say it's my religion. So effectively, um, you know, I don't know what comfort I can give you. Everyone needs to accept the new normal of Krakoa. That's all there is to it, you know. There's a, a Wakandan ambassador there who uh, he's obviously representing T'Challa and, and Wakanda. Um, 
you know so there's a, there's a lot going on in the conversation uh, there's a the, the the battle it's just the conversation really takes center stage here yeah. over and above the battle like uh, I, I chatted to a couple of regulars when they came in about X-Men 4 and they were saying oh is it good and I said see to be honest this issue is a talking heads issue but the dialogue is incredible yep yeah, uh, there's there's a great page here again Apocalypse um, so it's uh, yeah to, to talk about to talk about that I'm trying to find a good a good point to to start <laughs> you know but it says uh well, it's interesting you were talking earlier about the Bronze Age and the Copper Yeah, age. exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I say, well, no, let me see now. Let me let me see where I can go. Uh, Magneto says it's the truth. You cannot blame us for the long history of man, nor can you blame us for the circular nature of it right now. And he uses that term, you people, you people. are institutionally teaching your children to rewrite and unlearn history. Well, I promise you one thing, you will never forget where we came from. Uh, we will never forget where we came from, but you will. You always do. Uh, one of the one of the other representatives says that's quite a bold claim. Any way to back it up? Uh, Magneto says, "Do you know how medieval societies got lead? They had to mine it from Roman ruins because the technology, the knowledge of how to do it, was lost during the Dark Ages. That wasn't an aberration. You humans, through war, short-sightedness, or pure ignorance, tend to destroy yourselves every few thousand years. Look at the end of the Bronze Age, a Dark Age before the Dark Ages. Uh, you don't even know what caused the end of it." But there it is, yet another hole in the collective memory of man. Uh, this is one of the other representatives who keeps checking his watch and keeps uh, putting his finger to his ear strangely. says, who cares what caused the end of the Bronze Age? Apocalypse says, I was alive then, and you should care. Someone says, is that so? Then tell us what caused the collapse. Apocalypse says, me. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. They're nice. just, you know, it just... The conversation escalates and escalates, and again, where we you, there's not a right and a wrong here. There's just there's nations looking out for their own best interests, and you never get the impression that that the mutants are the good guys or the bad guys. Certainly, whoever has hired a group of individuals previously to to assassinate Charles and is intent on doing it again in this issue. Uh, are probably the bad guys you know it's funny because that's sort of been in the news recently um but yeah just some some lovely wee moments here when uh you know magneto uses his, you know scots in a in a, in a in a bit of a jam with one of these uh soldiers and magneto remotely uses his powers just to give him a hand <laughs> you know <laughs> a little help please thanks you know so it's it's very very good um there's a lot of nine panels in here, Alan. Yeah. Maybe that's what attracted you. Um, <laughs> it's just the dialogue. It's just, and it's the understanding of the characters. I mean, I love that, like this mutant Gorgon, I don't know an awful lot about. Uh, Gorgon uh, was, is genius level intellect. He has the power to turn people to stone with his eyes. And he's also um, an, a warrior. He's associated with the hand mm -hmm. and with Hydra. Um, and he's been about for a fair so while. He is a mutant. So in the past, he would have been a bad guy. He would have been a bad essentially. guy. So what I love here is that like they've taken this strike team down and he's standing there. And uh, he says to the guy, it was the one who actually had the itchy head. He says, in the past, my contempt for you would have manifested itself in an uncomplicated manner. I would have simply taken your head. But these are new days and I'm led by brilliant mutants who understand war better than I ever could. I've seen the error of my ways. Now I understand. I'm enlightened. It's, I now know that it's better that you live like this with the shame of what you are. 
embrace this mercy human and never test my kind again. So it sort of shows even though he was a bad guy, he fully has bought in to Xavier's new world. You know, and that's what's really interesting. Um, there was another guy I was chatting to the other day, at, at Tommy, and he was saying about how Krakoi existed. He was telling his friends about it who hasn't read House or Pars or any of this. He's like, yeah, all the mutants live together. And he's like, yeah, it's just like that utopia storyline from before. Now, I don't know a lot about that. But what Tommy said was, no, no, no. It's not just all the good guys live together. All the mutants live together. What do you mean? Oh, yeah. Apocalypse lives there. Magneto lives there. You know, all they really have all bought into that this one idea. And they are now one race. One society. And yeah. that's what's yeah. really interesting about this, that they're all buying into it. Uh, I love uh, Magneto's given this monologue this fantastic monologue about you know how the mutants have learned they they, they don't need to use their powers they they can use e economies they can use uh the money they make the pharmaceuticals to make the money to buy the power to buy the influence to buy the humans politicians to buy their banks uh you know and he goes over and and he says so as i said there will be no war oh and by the way this was really amazing. <laughs> My compliments to the chef. <laughs> very, very good stuff. Very good stuff. Uh, and even then, Magneto was saying, like, oh, I couldn't help but notice you keep touching your ear. Everything all right? You know, it's... <laughs> yeah, that's the guy who clearly had organized the strike teams. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just... It's it's great dialogue. I mean, so... I mean, whereas, whereas Rosenberg's Hawkeye Freefall was um, really witty uh fantastic exchanges this has got some great monologues so two great books two uh two great ways of of of, of writing dialogue well it's even like xavier's able to cut all these guys down with just a few words where he's saying like you know there's a part of me that will never stop believing in you he's always wanted to be a friend of humanity but then he comes out with this great line where he just says but it only took you one month before you tried to kill me Mm -hmm. and you were going to try again today you know so it's it's just really really brilliantly done like i i've said it before a number of times i can't believe how good this run is at the moment and i, I sort of see it as there being six x titles that you know is obviously a strain on the wallet and you know it, it there was a part of me at first thought it was a bit cynical but it's not anymore that you need to read it all it's that you want to read it all the the, the world being built is just so rich um, and it's great as as you were saying at the start, Keith, that it's it's nice to see the main X title come to the fore. Because yeah. for me, X Force has been yep. leaps and bounds yep. ahead. This is the first issue of X Men where you're like, this but this is this is the other side of it. This is the overt the the politics the um the overt negotiation. X Force is the CIA. It's the you know what I mean. Yeah. Of the of the Krakoan culture. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great book. <laughs> really enjoyed this one. Have you ever looked up the alphabet to uh, decode any of these messages? I haven't. So. I uh, I've got we've got the alphabet and the wee uh, collectors cards. cards that came and I keep meaning to. But uh, <laughs> well, every time there. I look at it, I go, I really should yeah, look up what yep. this is. I never do. I love that they're sticking with it. And there's a wee uh, there's a wee description there of um, of who Gorgon is uh, on one of the uh, there's a an inset page about the Krakoan captains. Yeah. And who they are, and it says Gorgon. While the other three captains have a broader, more extensive jurisdictions. Uh, that being Cyclops, Magic, um, I know, Bishop, yeah, Cyclops, Magic, and Bishop, 
uh, have broader, more extensive jurisdictions. Gorgon has a smaller, more specific one. As one of the most experienced and most lethal mutants on Earth, he was chosen by the Captain Commander after consultation with Wolverine to act as the personal protector for members of the Quiet Council, especially when they leave Krakoa. So there you are. Yep. Yep. Thoroughly wonderful book. And as I said, if um, if Keith had a taken had a pulled rank on me and taken Thor, uh, <laughs> X Men number four was my pick. So um, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> Just wonderful, wonderful stuff. So it is. What's really interesting with X Men as well is that we only found out properly in this month's previews books. So the way they're releasing this in trade form, there's going to be one method called Dawn of X, which is so volume one will be all the number ones of the six titles, volume two will be all the number twos of the six titles. But they are also going to be releasing X Men volume one, so it'll be one to six X Men, X Force one to six. So you're you're getting a choice there. Um, for me, I'm even though I'm collecting the singles, I'm going to pick up the Dawn of X ones as well. Um, I think will be just burning to read in that in that sort of manner. So, um, yeah, X stuff in general, very very strong. Um, any other notable little mentions to throw in for uh, January seconds? I can see uh, Philadelphia being bandy towards. Uh, Roddy yeah. needs to get his indie blood back. You know. Always sorry. I was just looking through my picks. Hold on. Yeah. Um, well, I'll throw two out there really yeah, quickly that were excellent, but I'll not throw any spoilers because Keith's three the most. Daredevil 16 carried on the amazing work of issue 15. Um, continues to be one of the very best Marvel series. And another one we always sing the praises of. I know Keelan's looking forward to it in trade form is Lois Lane. Greg Rucka um, is... Yeah, me too. Like issue six was yep. brilliant because it was... It was, I can't even say what the issue was without, you know, spoiling things, but it was a very self-reflective issue um, with Lois and her family, whereas issue seven is still dealing with the aftermath of Superman revealing his identity. So it's uh, it's really, really good issue as well. Um, so yeah, those were two that I would throw out there as good weeks. Cool. Um, yeah, so Philadelphia number two for me was very, very close Um I'm pretty sure it was going to be up there, but then I thought number one was my pick, so don't want to talk about Next it Next on my reading list. Awesome. Good and stuff. You, you absolutely converted me to that first issue. Good. I could have swore 20 minutes ago you said Star Wars was next on your reading list. Oh. <laughs> next two on my reading list. Um, but yeah, Rodney Barnes, Jason Sean, Alexander, really loving this story. Vampires mixed with... Uh, like homicide, life in the street, or the wire, or something. Really good. That's where you got me. Yeah. The wire works with mixed with Lovecraft, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Olympia. Not too sure on the second issue. Thought it was. It's. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not it's really feeling it. It's very simple, yeah. but I like it. I like the idea of it. We'll stick with it. Um, yeah, Pandemica. Wasn't sure in the first issue of that, but really enjoying it. It's really, really great sort of uh, post-apocalyptic sci-fi series um, about a virus that takes over the U.S. Um, really enjoying where that's going. Oh that my sounds god, sounds interesting. Definitely worth it in the trade. Um, Jonathan Mayberry is a very uh, what did he do? It's a genre what's writer, the, really, isn't he? What's what? Yeah, it's it like a sci-fi writer. V. V Wars. V Wars. Yeah, which I think you would enjoy too. It's just a TV show, right? As well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, Martian Manhunter what can you say about this fantastic so good and so funny 
just a brilliant series. Um, really, so really different like it. to the rest of yeah. DC's output. Um, this is that's one that's your twelve issue maxi series. That's one to pick up and trade. Um, Doctor Doom number four. That has been such a strong series. I bet that's is that third and that's third on his reading pile, that, ladies and gentlemen. Look at that! <laughs> look, look at that! Look at that! Um, yep, that's but exactly yeah, what that it is. is. Take Daredevil from four there and put it on top. It's been uh, one of my favorite Marvel series so far. Just oh, it's so good. I'm glad you swung onto it. it yes, yeah. uh, that from that first issue, it's just been go go go. And then yeah, two that um, his little 80s heart is breaking. The, yeah, um, they're not like bad comics i just think they've lost interest like i have lost interest in them um i didn't i thought the idea of gi joe number four is really good but i didn't like the execution of it um and then transformers um losing a bit of interest um it's just become very very political um i like political things sim um like what you're saying with x-men but this is just it's not as exciting as that. Yeah, it's... I mean, I agree with you about Transformers. I really enjoyed the last issue of G.I. Joe, issue three. Um, Which was also in the 18th. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but I haven't read issue four yet. I yeah. will. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting, because I quite liked issue three. It's been going, I don't know, because issue two had the big reveal, then we didn't get anything about the big reveal, but... I don't know. It's it's sort of crisscrossing this book. Maybe too much for me. I don't know. But yeah, that's me. Um, I don't have too much in the way of... uh, uh, Because I haven't read anything else. Um, So I'm looking forward to Philadelphia and Star Wars and Doctor Doom. And um, most of all, Daredevil was was great. So uh, I've got a little bit of reading to do over the next couple of nights. I actually don't have anything. The only other issue I picked up this week was Action Comics 1018, and the writing was brilliant, but controversially at this table, the art let me down, and it really pulled me from the issue. Um, so It's okay to be wrong. The one thing I will say about Action 1018 is that it came out the same week as Detective 1018, so give it two weeks. Detective is about to surpass Action Comics. Because Ben say that as though I'm worried about something. You should be worried about it because Action Comics has been the longest running comic in history. Like that, I, I'm not even saying this in a way to wind you up, but it is actually quite a momentous moment because, you know, Action Comics is the godfather of all comics. Without it, we don't have any of this, and for years it has always been the title that has the most issues. And Detective is caught up simply because obviously Bendis is pulling double duty, doing Superman and action comics, mm. also writing Young Justice, also doing a couple of other bits a good, and pieces. Good third of the DC universe. Now. Yeah, I mean he's obviously Legion of Superheroes is coming now Young as well. Justice. Um, so he's uh, so because of that, action has become a monthly title, whereas Detective keeps being a fortnightly title. Yeah, I it, I do find it irksome that I have to wait a whole month for the next issue of Superman or the next issue of Action. Uh, it's a bit of a jealousy when it comes to Batman fans. Like, <laughs> yeah, you get you only have to wait two weeks. Yeah, I mean Detective Ten Eighteen just as one last sort of throwout. Um, it was a really really strong issue. Um, it started off a new sort of. The only thing is, it's it's releases maybe about a month too late because it starts off this really sort of Christmas themed um storyline, but it actually starts off in Gotham City in uh, what was it six five seven, um. In 
that the Viking? Yep, that is a Viking in the township of Gotham with an E. Um, this is called Have Yourself a Pagan Little Christmas, uh, Dead of Winter. Um, but yeah, it goes back into the past and a lot of stuff with Vikings and the past of Gotham City and the formation of Gotham. Um, really strong issue. It was interesting as well because it's one of the first issues I've read of Batman that has dealt with the death of Alfred with Bruce being all alone in his mansion and also dealing with um, also dealing with the fact that Bullock is now running the GCPD because Gordon is the infected. He's often Batman Superman. Mm. So it's one of the first ones that has um, actually brought that continuity in. But yeah, it ends the, with this serial killer on the loose who's actually hanging bodies off this massive Christmas tree in the middle of Gotham City. Um, really interesting because it's going to... It is what detective comics should be it's batman as a detective on these smaller cases the way say friendly neighborhood spider-man was spider-man dealing with the neighborhood rather than you know worldwide threats so to speak so yeah really strong first uh issue of that new york um and after this it becomes the longest running comic you're saying that with a smirk as though it bothers me it really does it really doesn't because i don't have to wait a whole month for the next issue <laughs> <laughs> Tom King doesn't write Batman anymore. Yeah, he's writing Batcat instead. Um, so yeah, that is everything from me in terms of releases. Uh, three and a half hours later, I'm sure. Not quite, but getting there. Not quite, but getting there. Um, so, so I was just going to say, just yeah. finish off very quickly. Oh, what were you going to say? No, I was probably going to say the same thing. You yeah, I was just trying to, sort to take of over. Trying to can continue with our uh, format, just so it's just what titles coming out this week to look forward to. Um, for me, there's three that really stick out. Um, Batman is James Tinian taking over. This is the first issue, Batman 86. Really, really curious to see what he does with this. Really looking forward to Venom number 22 after the very strong start that uh, that Venom Island had. And then the last one for me that really sticks out is uh, X-Force number 5 because X-Force has just been awesome so far. Yeah, it's uh, three hits that I was just looking at, so I'm um, very quick and quickly making alternative choices. Well, I can see uh, one for you straight away there, Conan Serpent War. Uh, you're exactly <laughs> right. I'm also looking forward to issue one of The Clock, uh, which is, uh, that's the the uh, image title, isn't it? About um, the the very uh, aggressive, virulent uh, cancer virus that hits the world and starts to destroy the the population we talked about oh, a wee cool. while ago. Within within three weeks, hundreds of millions of healthy people worldwide contract various forms of aggressive cancer, and the proliferation, seemingly a viral outbreak, stumps the best scientific minds available. But after a leading cancer researcher loses his wife and watches his nine-year-old daughter begin to succumb to the same illness, he must race against the clock to end a global conspiracy that could propel the world into World War Three or worse. So uh, that'll be a good one. Um, as you say, Serpent War... Um, and there's a, that uh, Marvel's X number one starts yep. as well. Oh, so cool. Uh, that'll be uh, Alex Ross one. Uh, so looking forward to that. So there's, uh, there's a couple others there as well. So I must get through the pile I have in front of me in order that I can get <laughs> onto the pile and bang and win. <laughs> and yeah, so the wheel turns. Actually, one more does really stand out to me and I'm sure will appeal to most around this table. It's the last issue of Strange Skies mm. over East Berlin. Oh, yeah. It's yep. been very, very good so yeah. far. Uh, Butcher of Paris continuing as well, issue D two. Jeez, just take all my picks. Like. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's just me getting you That's back it. for trying to interrupt yeah. me at the start. 
Well, there you go, Roddy. There's, there's, at least, there's, there's four other titles that you have there. Allow me to show you. Really? Okay. Let I thought me... I had quite a small pull list this week. What else have I got? Where's my name? Uh, so I've got Amazing Spidey, Daphne Byrne, and Gideon Falls, too. So... And Serpent Mort, you mentioned that, didn't you? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> looking like a good week. Thank you. He's Thank you for so everything. Kellen, what about you? What are you looking forward to? Uh, issue two of Symbo Spider-Man Alien Reality is out. Yeah, that was good. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And The Dreaming, volume two. The trade of it's out. I dropped off it. I got the first five or six issues of it and sort of dropped off The Dreaming. Uh, I'm getting the Sandman stuff through trade. Um, I, I really enjoyed The Dreaming stuff. See, I actually started to create a Sandman display in the store today. So I got all the volume ones in. <clears throat> so House of Whispers, Lucifer, Books of Magic, um, Dreaming, got the Sandman Overture in, got the 30th anniversary editions of uh, Preludes and Nocturnes. Um, so we're sort of creating a little bit of a Sandman display at the moment because the Sandman universe stuff is, has been coming along well. And then obviously it's getting even more of an injection with Hellblazer yeah, uh, coming Hellblazer into it recently. Too. So... Um, and now the volume twos are starting to come out, so there's enough material there now to sort of point that out to people who maybe want something a little different from the, the traditional soups and capes. And that display is in store? That display is in store. And where is that store? That store is in Smithfield Market, not Unit 16, not Unit 17, 18, Unit 5, 6, as if anybody knows the unit numbers. And that's looking very well. <laughs> and uh, where can you find the store on social media? You find us Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just search Coffee and Heroes. And most importantly, you find us on this podcast. And where can we find this podcast? <laughs> well, if they're listening, they've already found it. Oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, but uh, if you are listening to this podcast and you like it, uh, we very much appreciate you taking the time. This has been a wee bit of a long one tonight because we were covering three weeks, but we'll get back to our usually... Uh, back to our rescheduled uh, yeah, regular programming. shorter programming. Um, if you did enjoy the podcast, then uh, if you could take the time to subscribe to it and whatever um, whatever provider uh, that you, you're listening to it on, whether that be Podkicker or SoundCloud or uh, Apple uh, Podcasts. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, um, if you could go on there and give us a five-star review and maybe a little uh, a little review, that would uh, help other people find us, um, share it on your social media and all of that good stuff because the more people are listening the more we enjoy doing it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, this one was a wee uh, return return to the old school, wee Brucey bonus, like uh, really long episode. This one was a know? reminder yeah. of why we've moved to a weekly yeah. <laughs> But in fairness, no, I mean, uh, this one was always going to be long, just that yeah. December 18th was just a monster of a week. Um, if it had been weekly, that one on its own. Would that it? still would have been a big one. Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, as, as Keith was Christmas. saying. As Keith and Roddy were saying, we'll be back to our normal stuff from uh, next week, and we really got to get back onto our book clubs as well, just so we can be really yeah, depressed well, by reading. Mouse. I think we should. Yeah, we'll get going with mice pretty well. And we really by the need end to do of Kingdom Come because I think by we've the been end promising, of January, yeah, I think we've been promising killing Kingdom Come for about three months now, but uh, we'll get there. But Mouse Kingdom Come, yeah, and then brilliant we'll there. Okay, so pleasure as always, gentlemen. Um, I am going to sign off now and kick you all out of my house. Brilliant. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, pleasure much. as always, guys, and uh, cheers again. All right, cool. Good night. Bye. Good night. Keep on winging it.